welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. Oh, hey there, Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. I'm Justin. Happy Monday, guys. Happy Monday. Yeah. Happy Friday to the listeners. Yeah, happy whatever day. You're, yeah, happy Saturday morning to the listeners who were a little too uh, too hungover to listen to it on Friday. Well, happy whatever time it is. Man. Our, our guest tonight is from a whole different time zone. Happy whatever, right? Right. I like what, it. Whatever you're doing... Good luck and God bless. Jeez, the times are crazy. Man. Yeah, I can't get behind that enough. Happy whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah. whatever's going on. Uh, uh, more power to you. Ju- uh, Justin, what what was going on this week? Wow, I don't know. Uh, watch Heat, like I was just saying before. Yeah, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Ooh. Ah. Uh, great movie. Yes. I wanted to say DeVito because it rhymes, but I'm not rapping tonight. It's not a rap mm. podcast all no. the time. Unfortunately, not yet. No. Yeah, it did a, did a bunch of, you know, uh, work is is crazy, so I'm doing the work, but I'm working on the riffs also, oh, and uh, that's I, taken up a lot of time. I walked in to this luxurious studio that we recorded mm-hmm. tonight, and you were literally working on riffs. You had your back turned. I could have. I was a little. I'm, I wanted to talk to you, but you know, we might as well talk on air. The listeners could get something out of this too. Yeah, we got to talk security. I could have been anybody walking in with your back turned, working on your riffs, zoned out. I could have stolen a riff, and you wouldn't have even known wow, about it. Wow, very true. Yeah, I could yeah. have been. Yeah, I could have recorded a riff and walked right out and put it on my my project. Yes. Fucking Carlos Mencia of riffs. Yeah, you could have been the yeah. Slugworth of Legend. riffs. Yeah, wow. So Willy Wonka. That's a Willy Wonka Slugworth, reference, man. Wow, that's that was my on style. yesterday too. That was oh, right Slugworth. before Heat. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's uh, before so we gotta look that. That might be my new black metal uh, alias, aka aka Slugsworth Slugworth Bentley. Slug Slugs Chugs. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's very uh, good. Uh, but Tom, how you doing? How's your weekend, man? Uh, I had a nice weekend. Did a little roast mortem yesterday. Travis oh. is in town, so get to talk in person and get nice. to get to hug it out, bro. Whoa, uh, as you do with your bros that you haven't seen in a while. So that was nice, except for now because of COVID. Can't, can't no, 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 no. Oh, allegedly, allegedly. Mm-hmm. We, we, well, we, you got that reach. You got those long arms. So yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Nice. I got the long arms. So uh, yeah, d- did some of that and uh, ate some delicious burgers made by uh, my girlfriend's. Uh, a father who is just the best oh. cook in the world. He he does things his own way, and wow. apparently they're better than everything I've known. So wow. that's fine. It's been a good weekend. Relax. I'm intrigued by these burgers. Now. I'm going to invite you over. Yeah, I got. I, I need to check this whole thing out. What's going on? It's like it's like a rugged independent burger. It's yeah, one guy's. Well, what we're going to do is next month when we they start barbecuing over there, we'll pick a day and All right, go yeah. over there. And I'll, I'll get a fresh uh, kielbasa from over there in Copenhagen, my favorite store. Oh, shit. Oh, Future yeah, dude. Yeah, I haven't been over them. there in a while yet. All right, like but, uh, so you didn't get there this weekend. No, I didn't get to Euro Deli this weekend. Uh, I haven't been out there. You know, we, we, we were hitting them pretty hard the last few months. Sometimes you got to take a break, man. But I'll be back. Don't worry. Um, but I did, you know, spring is in the air. It's been a little bit nice. A little bit, little bit nasty out yesterday, but... Yeah. Two out of three ain't bad, like uh, off. Yep. like Meatloaf said back in the you know shot to Meatloaf. Uh, two out of three ain't bad. Two That's out right. of the last three days were beautiful spring days. I broke out the uh, brand new crisp Nike Air Monarchs, very fresh, state of the art dad shoe. Shot to Spice Adams. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I I now I generally rock the New Balance or the Reebok Dad shoe. I long time listeners know that. Yeah, we gotta start uh, documenting this. For Nike that. a little too bougie for me. I've always stayed away mm. from Nike because it was always like very popular. Everybody loved Nike, and I you know I, I didn't want to do the popular in thing. Jordan. I didn't want to. I I'm, I got I'm an outsider. I'm a nonconformist. Yeah, of course. But I've I've gotten to the age where wearing the Nike Dad shoe, the Cadillac of Dad shoes, the Nike Air Monarch, mm. is actually it sets me as more as less cool 
like less, you know, less down. I'm just the the big fat old white guy with the Nike Air Monarchs. You know what I mean? Yes, hey, my, hey, guy, hey, kids. Hmm. Hey, fellow kids. My grandfather does have a closet full of those, and he's a, yeah, he's a strapping man. Yeah. Although Tom, you implied to me a few weeks ago that the younger millennials are so ironic now that the dad gear. Yes. Might be like, so I don't want to. Well, I, I, this, this I, is a tricky, this fashion thing I'm into now. Not to get too into it, but, um, my younger cousin, Mike, who is also on Roast Mortem, uh, he is, he's younger than me, but he's older than me from the knees down because he skateboards all the time and he's ruined his body. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's into the shoes like this. He's got the more comfortable skate shoe that looks kind of like this. And he has a few of pairs of this and he doesn't wear them that ironically. I don't know if they understand well, that word. Yeah, I mean, you know, while we're talking dad shoes, DC Shoe Company, mm-hmm. really, I don't, I haven't kept up with them through the years, but they made a remarkable dad shoe yeah. that you could disguise as a skate shoe mm-hmm. many years yes. ago. I had, I had some of those in my younger years. Now, I mean, I wouldn't wear DC shoes now. No. Uh, you could get away with not being a skateboarder and wearing skate shoes as a younger man. Yes. For fashion, you know, but as an old guy, it just would come across really weird. Although, sh- old- shout to Internal Suffering. Uh, Colombian band. Their singer used to wear G Unit black on black sneakers live. That's I always nice. remember that. That's gear. Nice. Yeah. Real gear. fresh. Right yeah. Mm. I, see, I don't know if I'm uh, too cool or not uh, cool at all because I've never seen those shoes before in my life uh, until right now uh, on your feet. Really? Yeah. You got. You should do some research because I, need to. I try to make sure that my sneakers are comfortable um, and don't uh, make any fashion sense whatsoever with the younger generation. I'm, I don't yeah. want to look like a creepy old guy trying to fit in. It's not. You know, right. I just do the death metal. Yeah, I, I remember uh, I used to shop at Marshalls, and I passed up on uh, a pair of Birdman lugs back in the day. Wow. You know, really? Yeah. You lost bridges, out. I did definitely lose out, but I made up for it now because I only uh, rock the Crocs. Yeah. Wow. As they say, Croc and roll. Cro- I feel like Crocs are going to be the next logical progression. Like, maybe I'm maybe into my 40s. Yeah. I'll go with the Crocs and so- Crocs and socks, little N in the middle. That's you what know, I'm saying. They're that's the- like the... The lot with monstrosity with only Florida death metal shirts, Crocs and socks, only Florida death metal shirts. That's my look. I love our future. Yeah. Just yeah. based yeah. on this conversation, I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but listen, guys, I'm going to pause it right there because as bright as our future is looking, as we step into it with this footwear tonight, we're going to take a little journey into the past, uh, and it is going to be bright because a lot of it's going to take place in good old California. Uh, but with a darker spin. That's right. Our guest tonight is not only uh, is oh I fucked it up. I'll do the edit. None other than Mike Nelson, aka Mike Abominator, and allegedly, aka Mahal Jason Satan. I don't know about that one. We're gonna get to the bottom of this mystery. Um, maybe you could call up uh, the payphone at the bottom of the pit in hell. Ask the intern death cult member to go get Mahal Jason Satan. Uh, and do the blood incantation weird goat leg thing over the barbecue pit to mm-hmm. get him up in a, p- a pit of smoke and talk to us, maybe through the phone, maybe through a live appearance. I don't know. Do the ritual. This is 
Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, join with me, as always, my uh, lo- loyal co-host Tom and Justin. Uh, I'm completely messing that up, but that's Hello. all right. The important part is I tell you, our guest tonight is none other than Mike Nelson, a.k.a. Mike Abominator, a.k.a. Mahel Jason Satan of the bands Rune, Vrenth, and Gasp. How you doing, Mike? <laughs> awesome. That's that. I'm we good. Got, we I'm got good, to run man. Obviously, you can hear it, right? Hell yeah, man. Yeah, we can definitely hear you now. Thank you for bearing with us. We had some technical difficulties in the beginning. Uh, shout out to Tom for, for fixing all that. We appreciate it, man. Hey. Uh, but now that we got you, Mike, um, I do want to talk about all of your bands, uh, some of your recent releases and, and uh, all that, uh, even some, some more old school stories from when you were first starting out. But on our show, we always get to the, uh, the bottom of things, the beginning of things, and we want to know the trademark question here on Heavy Hole Podcast. Are you from a particularly musical family? Or a family that um, had any tendency at all towards rock or heavy metal or anything? Oh, absolutely, man. Okay. Uh, my dad uh, and, and mom. My, so my dad was like a, he was a crazy biker. And uh, my mom was a crazy hippie. So I got the best of both worlds as far as that music goes. Um, and, you know... I mean, obviously, I was too young to remember, but the old record collection and the records they had playing around the house all the time was Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and everything else, you know, going on at the time. The Doors, and I do remember The Doors a lot, and obviously Zepp and Jimi, and, you know, so that was definitely my introduction. Um, but then my brother was really into music, too, and, you know, basically, when I was a baby... I would shut the fuck up when they put on Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, you know, the self-titled. So I'd be freaking out or whatever. And for some reason, my brother, one time he put on the, the debut and I stopped crying. So I think that was it. They're all like, oh, well, you know, we got to get Mikey to stop, you know, shut the fuck up. So let's put on some Sabbath. And then it went from there. Uh, of course, you know, I don't remember any of that. But later on, um, the, you know, I gravitated towards that. My brother told me the story when I was old enough to figure that out and uh, remember. And, uh, you know, Kiss, Destroyer, Judas Priest, um, Sad Wings of Destiny. You know, it was kind of like the Ripper, uh, God of Thunder, and Black Sabbath, the song uh, that really just used to put me in a trance, basically. And uh, kind of went from there, you know, once I was old enough to hang out with my dad in the garage while he's working on his bikes and the car and stuff. And, you know, whatever, hanging out with my brother, you know, they would be playing me all kinds of stuff from Rush and Thin Lizzy to uh, Scorpions and whatever was, you know, badass. Leonard Skinner and, you know, later on Van Halen. My brother was really, really into, even at that time in the, in the late 70s and early 80s, he was really into underground rock and metal. So he actually turned me on to all that British heavy metal stuff. He's the one that got me into Iron Maiden and Motorhead and Venom and Angel Witch and all that stuff. So I got really lucky, you know. Uh, my dad got me into ACDC. That was, you know, awesome. one of his wow. favorite bands. So, um, I mean, my dad basically thought Bon Scott was the real Jesus, you know, as we <laughs> all pretty much can agree on that one, <laughs> you know. My, my um, dad has a similar relationship with ZZ Top. <laughs> oh, ZZ Top's fucking awesome, yeah. too. It's uh, My dad was really into that because I think a lot of the 
the bikers and the crazy fuckers you would hang out with were really into ZZ and, you know, yeah. Leonard Skinner, obviously, and Almond Brothers and shit like that. So I was just a sponge, man. I used to just soak it up, you know, anything that was good and heavy duty and rocking. I was just getting into, you know, um, and it just kind of went from there. And like I said, you know, my brother got me into Maiden and all this other stuff. And then, uh, you know, just went from there. And then, you know, my mom had this love of Motown and, and I loved all that stuff too, all that fifties and sixties stuff. And, uh, it was just, it was definitely very musical. And that definitely, definitely led me on the path where I was at, you know, moving forward to the, to the future, obviously, it was death metal and grindcore that really pushed me over the cliff, over the edge, so to speak. But um, you know, along the journey, there was there was thrash metal, there was the the speed metal and, and stuff like that. And then even uh, my brother, he ended up uh, meeting an older woman, and he's still with her. You know, they're married uh, to this day, and uh, she had a son that was really into punk rock. So he got me in all the punk and hardcore stuff. You know, he was the first one to show me all the old punk stuff and then uh, even later on the hardcore stuff like agnostic front rudimentary p9 and stuff like that and so i was just yeah i was just soaking it all up whatever i could whatever was bashing me in the head you know it was just one of those things you guys are music freaks so you know when something something comes on you're just like in a trance you know it's like oh shit that's all really interesting to me right there like before we go full on into the underground thing that's why I always ask about the musical family thing, because, uh, you know, like you said, your dad's your dad's uh, into the biker culture, which obviously involves hard rock and, and heavy metal. To a, your, your brother, it sounds like, was taking the ACDC biker thing to the next level with the new wave of British heavy metal, which is like the most like the next logical step, kind of. Uh, right. And then you said your mom. That's interesting, because like the Motown and the rhythm and blues and that sort of thing, that is... I think you know you can appreciate it on the same level if you're really if you're open-minded enough to appreciate heavy metal at a young age. You can appreciate a lot of different types of music, you know, before you get boxed in. And then you say that um, your uh, uh, I, I guess it would be your, your um, brother's uh, son-in-law. I, I guess you could say, uh, or, yeah, or your, much. your, your I mean, brother's yeah. your brother's um, uh, son or, or uh, uh, stepson, whatever whatever you'd say, yeah. uh, becomes um, uh, an influence for you with punk rock. He did. He actually, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in a rough neighborhood in Los Angeles, too. So obviously all the kids were listening to rap music that was coming out at the time in the mid 80s. And uh, I even liked some of that stuff. And then I gravitated towards the gangster rap and the the heavy duty stuff. Not that crap that's out now. I'm talking about like heavy duty, real musical stuff that, you know, just really had a a good base to it. And then, you know, even stuff like... uh, you know, just the good rock and roll, you know, just good music in general, good jazz, good whatever, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. just one of those things. And, uh, my, you know, my brother's, uh, I guess you could say his, his stepson, um, you know, he got me into like NWA and stuff like that. And that was kind of a, a different path that I took too at the same time. And like I said, I was just a sponge. I would just soak it all up, you know, and to this day, some of that, anything that's heavy and original and just badass. I just soaked it up, and that basically influences everything that you're hearing, especially with Ruin. And, uh, you know, my mom's influence with uh, stuff like Aretha Franklin and Smokey Robinson and stuff like that. I mean, you know, we can't, as much as we like to, to front, and as much as I love Venom, 
and autopsy and stuff like that. We're not listening to that shit twenty four seven. Come on, guys. You know what yeah. I mean? It's oh like, no, no, yeah. We, you know, every yeah. once in a, you know, every once in a blue moon, you admit that you're gonna listen to something mellow, especially you know when you're with your significant other. You know, hey, if you're if you're fucking the grindcore and old napalm death and stuff, more power to you. I've done it myself, but <laughs> at the exhausting. same time, it's like you know the real baby making music, as they call it. That's the good stuff, man. That's that soul and Marvin that, you know, Gay. just good yeah. Marvin Gaye. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, Al Green, <laughs> well, Barry all, White, of course, the, the master, you know. All that shit is heavy. I'm saying, like, if, if you have, like, a, a proficiency, like, or your ear is trained for heavy music, you know, be it heavy blues, heavy rock, heavy jazz, you know, getting into hip-hop, like, all that stuff kind of, there's all this, uh, this heavy uh, line that kind of, com- uh, uh, combi- you know, combines everything or... or uh, at oh, least um, relates everything. And, you, you know, know what I mean? So like, yeah. like Shot A is one of the heaviest fucking uh, I mean, I, out, you know, acts out there. I uh, Bjork is super Shade, heavy. Dude. I, I love Shot A. I've always had a massive crush on her, and I'm I love her fucking music. It's, it's so it's so much heavier than even some of the death metal out right now. That's, you yes. know, <laughs> yes. I, uh, some of the heaviest uh, like riffs and drum, especially drum breaks and rhythm parts I've ever heard have been in African American gospel music. Honestly, man, that's yep. and if you really think that's where a lot of rock and roll and a lot of this stuff traces back to. But we, I mean, that's a whole crazy conversation we could get into. Yeah. But um, you know, I want to talk about your musical background a little bit. Uh, and I, it sounds like your brother is a big influence uh, with with the heavy metal and that sort of thing. And we and we know, like like you said, the, then the punk rock kind of comes in. But we also, um, you mentioned, you know, you don't you come from a neighborhood where maybe uh, crime and those sort of things were uh were higher than other places what where from i forgot to ask exactly in california are you because we're out here in new york i've been to california a few yeah. times but if you could explain for the listeners that aren't from california where are you from i was born and raised in uh echo park california which is uh you know it's kind of funny now it's like hipsterville you know kind of like where we're brooklyn i don't know if you guys are in the city or in the upstate new york or Whatever, but kind of like how Brooklyn is. Remember how rough and tough Brooklyn was? That's how Echo Park was back in the day. And, uh, you know, we had the the 70s and 80s and 90s. It was uh, pretty rough and tumble back then. And uh, that's where I was coming up. So it was definitely, you know, we did a little bit of moving around. Um, but we always seemed to remain in Echo Park for a little bit. We ended up moving outside. So Echo Park basically is right outside of Northeast LA, but it's also not too far from Dodger Stadium, if that gives you an idea. Okay. So, and then it's right outside of downtown LA too. So, okay. Um, like I said, it's totally different now. You know, I drive through there and I just start cracking up, like, holy <laughs> shit, man! You know, there's all yeah. kinds of, you know, vegan restaurants and boutique uh, shops and stuff like that. So, rent you know, is how much? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you have no fucking idea. Well, you know, you're, we got a little York, York. You no, we're, Yeah, we're pretty close to Brooklyn, you know. Yeah, yeah. we're we're just just on what you said before. We're we're uh, in the suburbs of Long Island, uh, maybe about an hour outside of Brooklyn in New York City, and uh, it's like it's it's funny. Everything you're saying though is you know placed Same. certain places in the city, especially in Brooklyn, uh, very similar things you know going on gentrification and all that sort of thing. Oh, don't get me wrong, man. I mean, you know, crackheads and. And gangsters everywhere and fucking worrying about your not only your car but your well being sucks and everything, but so do hipsters and fucking high <laughs> rent and all those bullshit shops, you know? Cause, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I remember like um well I was in uh, Williamsburg 
Brooklyn Planet St. Vitus back in 2012, and I was just tripping, you know, because that's like a Dominican neighborhood. And even at that point in 2012, I was like, holy shit, man. It's totally fucking changed. And then basically, that's how Echo Park is now. You know, it's mostly just a bunch of uh, hipster college-age kids, you know, just taking selfies and <laughs> a bunch of fancy shops everywhere. It was a totally different environment where I grew up where, unfortunately, Echo Park is known for... Uh, the beginning of human trafficking, which is like rampant now. Um, and then also known for the Rampart division and the beginning of the, the crash gang division in, yeah. in LA yeah. and the Rampart cops are known for their corruption. And they're also known for being connected with the murders of Tupac and Biggie Smalls. And you know, that whole shit with Suge Knight and all that, they're all connected with all that. And yeah. just the total bullshit that they were doing. But yeah, we, again, we can, we could have an old episode talking about that shit, but uh, that's what Echo Park's kind of known for. And then just kind of being like a forgotten outpost, you know, up in the hills um, over there in that area, that part of L.A. But, you know, especially, uh, you know, coming up, we were uh, the, the white families there. There was probably like two Irish families, which mine was Irish. And then there was a lot of Russians and Polish families and a lot of Eastern Europeans but obviously not in big numbers. The rest of the population there was uh, definitely not white, you know. So it was uh, it was interesting, you know. I definitely put up a lot of shit growing up there, but well, it you definitely helped define who I was for sure, you know. So <laughs> I, I mean, you talk about the the time frame you're growing up in. It sounds like you were very young and coming of age. Not only when that whole Rampart scandal was. Not even a scandal yet when it was ongoing and they and they hadn't been uh, um, uh, investigated and, and um, uh, arrested for it for all that stuff yet. But also during the L.A. riots, right? I was yeah, I was actually out of L.A. Uh, by the time the riots hit. Um, I was living. My mom had met a uh, my my future stepdad Oscar, and uh, we moved out to Orange County, which is the suburbs. Basically, it's down south. It's very quiet very nice and you know it's totally different than echo park at the time so you know they wanted to uh as i started fucking around with gangs and shit myself because that's what you did in that neighborhood you know what i mean so once my house started getting our house started getting fucked with then my dad ended up going to prison and uh my mom then became that you know that statistic the single mother Try with the, I'm a latchkey kid. My brother had already moved out at 16. You know, he uh, wanted to go do his own thing, and he had a, a, a older friend, uh, our friend Bruce, family friend, that they started a business, and they were very successful. So my brother was like, he was tired of getting fucked with at school and just the whole fucking experience. So he's like, fuck this. I'm going to take my GED and, you know, start my career. And to this day, he still has his own business uh, doing what he was doing even back then, you know, almost 40 years ago. So, um that was great, you know, but at the same time, there I am by myself. My dad's gone. My mom's working two or three jobs trying to raise us, raise me. And uh, I'm getting into fucking trouble because me and my friends are just hanging out, got nothing to do, nothing better to do. Um, honestly, music, I, I, it was back then, we're talking like fifth grade, sixth grade. I was really at a turning point. I was at the crossroads, so to speak, you know, so... I was still really into music, but I was also getting sucked into that street life shit. So 
my mom recognized that, but we got the we got our apartment tagged up with graffiti. And then I actually was uh, involved. There, there was actually a drive-by that happened, and I got shot. Now, the kid that shot at us from a rival neighborhood uh, had rock salt, and so it wasn't real, you know, buckshot. Yeah. But regardless, that shit hurts, man. So, yeah, I had to go to the ER and, you know, have some minor surgery and stuff like that because I was bleeding. And uh, there was just a bunch of fucked up shit. I can go on and on. Yeah. A lot of shit that I went through at that point. A lot of the worst of it was not even the gangs. It was the weird junkies in the neighborhood. You know, some of these guys that are so whacked out on crack, they're just they're fucking with kids. They're fucking walking around with AK-47s and shotguns and shit and. Or they're just flashing kids with their trench coat, you know, the old weird flashers and shit like that. It was just fucking bad. It was just a bad fucking neighborhood. It was just a wow. complete shitty wow. neighborhood. And, you know, so she was like, all right, time to go. Yeah. And uh, once she recognized that I was getting in a lot of shit, you know, we moved to Orange County down south. And, uh, you know, between my mom and music, uh, that saved my ass because I'd probably be dead or in prison at this point, to be honest with you, you know. Uh, my my two best friends, they both they they both were killed about three years four years after I moved away. So they both became full on gang members, and uh, I mean it was just kind of unfortunately the rite of passage of that neighborhood. You know, it didn't matter what color you were because you know my one best friend was black and my other best friend was Mexican. I'm white. You know the 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 nickname the neighborhood got, uh, gave us was Neapolitan. <laughs> Chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream. That's what they called us. That's what they wow. called Neapolitan. That's the crew, the Three Stooges. Neapolitan's in the house, you know. So looking back on that, I'm just so thankful that, you know, between my mom and music, I was able to survive and get the fuck out of there, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it's just crazy times, man. Crazy times. How wow. Now, I, I got to ask, how old were you when you sustained that uh, shotgun wound? Oh, shit. That was sixth grade. So, I don't know, what, 12? i fucking so bad at math, guys. I'm sorry, but... I mean, were you, know, you, a, were you targeted or were you a random victim? Uh, no, they were they were targeting uh, all of us. They were definitely targeting all of us. And I think it was just to send a message because it was a really young kid that shot us, too. So it was one of those... Like a neighborhood, neighborhood? Conversa- you know, if it was like a veteran... Like an old school guy, oh, we'd be dead, man. You know, or one of those twenty-year-olds that pull the trigger on a regular basis. I mean, it was just one of those things. We just got really lucky, and I think it was just like young kids shooting at young kids, you know. But and, that's the reality of a of a neighborhood like that in Los Angeles. I mean, yeah. You know, but you guys got a lot of the same shit going on there in New York too in those neighborhoods. So you know, just like Chicago, just like. But I mean, that's the big three, the cities of like crazy gang life historically you know yeah New York, di- different Los uh, Angeles, just brutal man dif- different sounds and different styles and, and things like that but a lot of the same yeah. violence and the at, same at, things. at the end of the day same bullshit yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah man and and just that rock salt thing just for me and for the listeners I, i've never heard of that it's so that's like a homemade round made with rock salt yeah, you know, I'm not really like 100% sure about that. It was something used back in the 80s. Um, you could load it. I don't know if you like pour it into the barrel or, you know, an old school uh, shotgun or something like a yeah. goddamn like a revolutionary musket. or Civil War weapon or something like right. that. But <laughs> I, I assume that's how it works. Or there's rock salt pellets. I don't even think they yeah. use it anymore because it's kind of worthless. I think it was used 
at some point to injure animals maybe yeah. I, you know i have no idea there's but, I, uh, I mean there's you know like buckshot and, and birdshot bird and all that shot, stuff yeah, like you know they use that for right. varmint and stuff like that you know totally. yeah. so yeah. I, it could be a, a number of things really yeah and i mean you know it, it uh see, i've never been shot with real buckshot or even birdshot but the rock salt fucking hurt like a motherfucker right. burn motherfucker too so i'm <laughs> yeah. sure it, yeah so well, yeah. I, I mean, we can we can move on past that anyway, man. Um, and wild, wild shit, though. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, like, that's uh, yeah, yeah. Cra- crazy story, man. And um, glad you're okay. You know. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I'm here talking to you guys, Talk man. Life's you. good. Riffs. Um, and so at, now as we move on, uh, from that environment, uh, where does like underground music come in? Because we like, we know that you're already schooled in punk rock and, and metal and that sort of thing. You got a yeah. taste of it. But what I want to get to is you end up being a very early Slapaham Records recording artist with your uh, band Gasp. Yeah. Um, and you guys are associated with like some of the very early kind of primordial beginnings of that power violence uh, uh, scene. And, and I want to get into that. But can you kind of take us from? Like where, where you're leaving off now, Echo Park, as a young man and, and moving and all that sort of thing into into the beginnings of Gasp. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it was culture shock because basically once my mom got us out of uh, Los Angeles, we moved to Huntington Beach, California, which is about as suburban and, you know, boring and, and weird to me. It's, it was a different world because I show up over there and... I have a kind of a gangster accent. I'm wearing like a, you know, a USC Cholo jersey and I got baggy dickies and, you know, I got Nike Cortez, you know, Cholo shoes and <laughs> I'm slicking my hair back, you know, I'm carrying a blade on me and shit. And they're, these kids don't know what to fucking make of me because they're fucking surfer kids. They're suburban kids and it's just very confusing. So some of them are cool. Some of the bully type kids tried to fuck with me and, you know, they learned the hard way that, you know, I didn't tolerate that shit, so, <laughs> you know, and uh, I had some problems at, at first, you know, but, you know, once you punch a couple of the bullies in the fucking nose, it's all good, you know, after that, they leave you alone, and it's all good, so, um, then I was just, I was still a knucklehead, you know, to be honest with you, but I was really, really into metal and horror movies, and my aunt was just really freaked out about that, she was getting calls like, for some reason, my mom was busy working still. She had her job in Los Angeles. So my aunt was my guardian. So my aunt was getting all the phone calls from the fucking school and all the complaints and shit. So the school wanted to fucking kick me out already. And I was always in the fucking office talking to the counselors and the principal and all this shit. And I was just, like, trying to tell them, like, no, it's these fucking stupid kids that are fucking with me. They won't leave me alone, you know? I'm just not fucking putting up with their shit. That's all. I'm not trying to fucking... I just want to be left alone, you know? And uh, so anyways, she she kicked us out of there and then we ended up moving to a different city over in Anaheim and uh, which is pretty suburb, but it's also a little closer to Los Angeles style than uh, Huntington Beach is for sure. So um, I ended up we ended up getting settled. My mom met my stepfather and then uh, I ended up, uh, I'm, you know, at, at the same time, I'm still into the same metal music and stuff like that. And I start taking guitar lessons and uh that's when i started branching out a little bit and listening to all kinds of other different types of music and but at the same time i was still on the hunt for like discovering like heavy bands you know so i would read power metal magazine and metal forces 
And then that's when I started finding out about those fanzines and stuff, like Slayer Mag and stuff like that. And uh, I, I wrote to Metallion, and I started writing to, like, Mark Sawickus from Impetigo when he would do Uniforce. Yeah. I, I found his ad in Metal Forces, and I started writing and, you know, trying to get a hold of people, find out about these new bands, and that's kind of how I discovered, like, thrash metal. And uh, I just kind of continued that path, and then... Little by little, I kept playing guitar, and then, you know, at that point, I wanted to start forming bands, but I was still a knucklehead, and I was still getting in a lot of trouble, so I was getting kicked out of high schools, like freshman year of high school. I went to, like, five high schools. I kept getting kicked out, and my mom was just like, what the fuck? What are you doing? You know, I mean, what's what's going on? For more than just and, fighting? Uh, yeah, fighting, you know, drugs, you know, the whole thing. I was getting caught with pot and drinking and shit like that, a lot of fighting, and uh, like I said, you know, I was just trying to be left alone. But, you know, I'd show up in my flipped up suicidal hat and uh, the kids thought it was ridiculous or whatever. They thought it looked stupid. So they would say something. I said, well, I don't think Mike Muir would like that too much. You know, I don't think the suicidal guys would uh, would take that fucking lying down. So I had to fucking punch him. (laughs) That's what I fucking did. And uh, that was it. You know, at one point, a couple of the football teams wanted to jump me and this and that. And it became kind of comical that thankfully that never happened. You know, yeah. uh, there was a couple times that uh, I had a couple big football players try to beat me up in the parking lot, and then you know I was able to escape that brutality. And then I get my big friends that I'm going to talk about in a second. We catch them at a party, and uh, <laughs> they wouldn't fuck with me anymore. My big crazy metalhead friends from Los Angeles and shit. But uh, so I ended up going to Anaheim High School, which was like one of the craziest schools in the county at the time. And there just happened to be a shit ton of metalheads there. And then that's basically moving forward. I mean, a good handful, 12, 15 of these guys and gals, I'm still friends with to this day. And uh, they we basically been in contact forever. And some of my best friends to this day, you know, some of them were transplants from Los Angeles like me. A few of them grew up in Anaheim and this and that. But we just started feeding off each other as far as music goes, you know, like, Oh, here's merciful fate. And here's the, you know, some of these yeah. bands that we didn't initially hear about, you know, remember a few of my friends, here's napalm death and this and that. Oh, you like Slayer. Well, you like dark angel even more. This is dark angel and this and that. So it just kind of went from there, you know, kind of took off. And, uh, it was like an obsession at that point. I just felt, fo- yeah, I still was a knucklehead in a sense, but I was just really, more worried about music at that point and uh i'd rather go to a record store and i'd rather fucking order a demo tape on you know through you know one of the magazines or through one of my friends gave me the address or whatever and then wait that three weeks and then you get this package in the mail it was just much more exciting than any bullshit that i was getting into on the streets you know it was just one of those things i'd rather play guitar and actually start making an effort to work with a drummer one of my, my buddies at Anaheim High School, our first band we formed, and we we're just doing all kinds of punk and thrash covers, DRI and SOD and Cro-Mags and Agnostic Front, you know, anything that I could learn, especially because I sucked at the time. So, you know, no offense to hardcore and punk, but it's a little easier to play than Iron Maiden and Priest and shit like that. So, you know, I'm sitting here trying to play Iron Maiden and Priest at my uh, guitar classes and shit my guitar teacher's laughing at me you know and I'm then ah fuck it I'll just play some Sodom you know it's a little (laughs) easier (laughs) I'll play some Discharge you know that works a little better for me so 
and then it just kind of went from there, you know, just kind of, then uh, we ended up running into, I think we were, we were at a concert, just like a, I think it might even been like a sadistic intent, you know, the, our legendary band here in LA, our death metal band. Yeah, yeah. One of their early shows, you know, in like 88 or something like that, we were at a backyard that they were playing in LA and uh, one of our uh, friends introduced us to Victor from Mexico. And Victor happened to be one of those tape trading maniacs. And he's down there at the swap meets in Mexico City. And, you know, he's discovering blasphemy and, you know, all these fucking crazy heavy ass bands that we had never heard of. And, uh, you know, all the death metal, the early death metal stuff, Master, Massacre, Death, all this stuff. And we're just like, oh, shit. You know, heard the Master demo and the Death Strike demo. And I was just like, wow, this is fucking mind-blowing man it was like nothing i'd ever heard before and like i said napalm death carcass terrorizer that was it i was done you know and obviously going to see sadistic intent play live and stuff like that it was just like you know and then obviously something like pleasure to kill by creator comes out and you're just like and you know darkness descends dark angel i mean it's just like man there's nothing faster and heavier than this i'm fucking sold on it you know and uh it just kind of fucking spiraled out of control at that point. And it just, like I said, it became an obsession, you know. It just, it was always a uh, a hunt to find the heavier and the brutal stuff, you know. And I was talking about that with a buddy online recently about how, you know, you would grab a record, like a Celtic Frost record on Morbid Tales, and you'd look through Tom G. Warrior's thank list and see who who is he fucking thanking. Who is he talking about? Or what shirts are these guys wearing? Yeah. Like, oh, the yeah. fuck, you know? Oh, I'm going to fucking, oh, shit, that guy's wearing a creator shirt. I got to listen to that. Or that guy's wearing this. Or, you know, that guy's wearing a Death Row shirt. What the, who's Death Row? You know, so you start looking that stuff up. We didn't have the internet. But you start reading about it or going to the record stores, you know, writing people. See if you can get uh, mixtapes and stuff like that. That was big back in the day. Oh, the, uh, the old tape-recorded you know, tapes, compilation tapes, homemade stuff that people make for you that would have all that good stuff on there, whether it was Death Row, Master, you know, even stuff later on like Immolation, you know, the the, the New York East Coast scene was, you know, that's when it kind of took over everything in the underground for a while where you had Immolation, Mortician, Gorephobia, Incantation, you know, Suffocation. Yeah. It was just like every other week there was a fucking new band <laughs> popping up over there. Now you're it was just our language. <laughs> oh man, yeah. you know, you guys I can only fucking imagine. You know, I see some of those old flyers. Obviously, I wasn't there. And I've played with some of these bands later on. And yeah. that's fucking it's such an honor to share the stage with them. But being back then, because we had an awesome scene here, don't get me wrong. But obviously, you know, there's ten times more fucking legendary bands over there in that area that really organically fucking came up together and supported each other. It's mm-hmm. fascinating shit, you know. Well, as as the East Coast guy, and again, I'm I'm somebody who grew up looking up to all those people you're talking about. I got to say props to Out West because, you know, we have our own perspective growing up out here of, of the West Coast scene and a lot of the, the, the yeah. Bay Area thrash. And all. So it's, it's all it's all um, uh, perspective, man. There's there's plenty to talk about where you're from. And, you know, I, I asked you to get um, to, to bring us into gasp, but you're, yeah. ta- you're talking all this old school death metal talk right now. I got to bring up something I neglected to mention. Uh, you talk about your metalhead friends from way back. Uh, I want to talk about Rune because the story with Rune, um, for our listeners who, who may or may not know, 
um, is that I guess Rune goes back to at least 1990, technically speaking, and there are members or former members of Rune who I guess are allegedly uh, incarcerated or had uh, uh, some sort of uh, psychiatric institutionalization at some point. That, that's, that's what I've read online about Rune. Uh, yeah, and I, I just want to add, too, I, I ask that respectfully, too, because, you know, coming from just my personal background, more of a blue-collar uh, metal background, we all have friends and even ex-bandmates and, and people who've had their own, uh, you know, um, uh, issues in the past with those things that, that I've brought up. So, you know, I, I ask that from a point that I think I, myself and a lot of our listeners could probably relate to. Oh, no, absolutely, man. I mean, look, no bullshit. We're all, uh, I'm fucking, my, my family is... Uh, I'm not afraid to say it. we're white trash, man. We're Irish, blue collar. Uh, we came up hard, man. So yeah. you know, we're doing well, though. We're doing well now. Everyone's, you know, living in the suburbs and survived. And those are still with us, obviously. But uh, we came up hard, worked our asses off, you know. Salt, um, salt to the earth. Salt to the yeah, earth. Yeah, salt to the earth. I mean, that's the thing. You know, people assume that everybody in New York lives in Manhattan, lives in a fucking skyscraper and pays fucking $5,000 a month for a little closet and you know they go hang out with puff daddy all fucking day and it's just like in la fucking everyone thinks all we do is surf and work out and you know everybody lives in you know by the beach and fucking has no care in the world and no fuck no man there's fucking all kinds of fucking crazy communities in both of our environments that uh you know we fucking struggle just to fucking survive living paycheck to paycheck if we're lucky you know, so it's like we got to work our fucking fingers at the bone. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I don't have a fucking 401k or retirement yeah. plan. So, you know, I'll be working till, you know, till the fucking uh, the feds tell me, OK, you're cool. You can finally die. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, yeah, we have Bitcoin. All, hey, yeah, we, all, do, we do Bitcoin here. We Bitcoin. <laughs> in, uh, with all terms of endearment, we're all fucking scumbags here, fellas. So, you know, hey. Well, I'm it. proud, man. Yeah. I like garbage. Yeah, garbage <laughs> is good. We- <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah, so Ruin, uh, the, the backstory of Ruin, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, people think, uh, people that don't know, I understand, though, there's so much bullshit out there. People think the bio is bullshit or whatever, the PR stuff that has been done in the past about the band is untrue. But it's it's 100% true, actually. And, uh, you know, we, we formed and... Uh, we actually formed sometime around late 1990, started fucking around with stuff, and uh, then really started taking it a little bit more serious in 91. We did that, you know, kind of the old school, quote unquote, ghetto blaster rehearsal tape recording and uh, kind of, you know, obviously weren't very good, but, you know, we were just basically really fucking into like the Paradise Lost demos and you know, the stuff coming out of Finland at the time, like Funebrae and Demigod and Zeisma. And obviously we're into the Eric record stuff and worship, you know, totally worshipped at the altar of autopsy, you know. Um, and then uh, there was a bunch of really good local bands here, like Sadistic Intent, Demolition, Entity, Excruciating Terror, you know, that we were definitely influenced by. And uh, just wanted to fucking, you know, pay homage to the forefathers but at the same time you know fucking make our own mark and uh unfortunately more focused on partying and bullshit and getting into trouble and shit like that so you know our singer ended up going to jail and uh 
sadly, our bass player, we don't even know whatever happened to him. Um, he went to an asylum and then just that was it. Kind of disappeared off the face of the planet. He had a lot of... He was one of the early motherfuckers that I knew that really struggled with medication and mental health and shit like that. You know, now it's like more acceptable, I guess. You can't say it's more mainstream because that's kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think people talk but about it more now. People like, talk about it more. Back then it was kind of fucking taboo, I guess. And it was, even though, because, you know, like I said, I was joking during the break, like, hey, we're all fucking scumbags here. So that's why we accepted them because we didn't give a fuck, man. You know, mm-hmm. we don't give a fuck about who you are, or where you come from. Um, so that's why we had, a, you know, we had open arms around that motherfucker and we were trying to help him. But there's only so much you can do for a human being that doesn't want the help or think they, you know, are not even in the right mind to figure things out. So he just kind of, I guess, he can't even figure things out on his own, you know. So what are you going to do? It's tough. But we tried, you know, we tried as best as we could. But, you know, uh, who knows what happened to him, unfortunately. And then... uh, our original guitar player it's just crazy like the the backstory of ruin is so crazy like our original guitar player met his future wife at a ruin band practice back in 91 they hooked up then they divorced they got married they divorced um they ended up reconnecting years later had a couple kids together and unfortunately he shot her in the head in front of the kids and then killed himself in front of the kids and this isn't even something that i talked about publicly this is the first time i've ever mentioned this publicly and it was kind of fucked up because i was just thinking to myself like the one thought that hit the back of my mind was kind of like man is it like fucking just bad vibes from the band or whatever and and, you know obviously you fucking hindsight you look back and go, nah, it had nothing to do with the fucking band because a lot of my fucking bullshit I brought upon myself or whatever, the environment that I basically was in. Yeah, when I was younger, I had no choice, uh, but I got out of it, right? And then everything I got into later in life is all me. That's all on my fucking shoulders. And I'm even work, you know, with job situations, whether you're in a shitty job or you get fired for being a fucking idiot, whatever, man. Or you're just tolerating that shitty job. That's all you, you know. Sometimes you just got to fucking accept it because it's good money or whatever as far as that job goes. You know, if you're part of that, like I said, the working class fucking environment, which we, we are obviously now. But so, yeah, I fucking... I fucking definitely brush that off my shoulders. Like, nah, it has nothing to do with the band because we've been doing the band again since 2015. And, uh, you know, there hasn't been any fucking horrible shit that's happened. That was all him. You know, that was all his mental fucking disabilities and the problems because we, we already had problems with him too. You know, I had kind of forgotten about that night. Uh, I ended up, uh, our original singer, uh, he ended up putting his shit together and then, uh, now he's, He's a successful chef, and uh, I was working as a chef myself for a while, and we worked together for quite a bit, for on and off for like five, six years, and uh, he's one of my best friends, and he actually, uh, our original singer, Robert, actually runs Nero One Records, who he's putting out the, he's helping me to put out the cassette version of the next Ruin album, moving Mm -hmm. forward, and he did the demo, and he did 
drawing in blood, human annihilation. You know, he's done uh, a lot of stuff with me. I work with him a lot because he's basically, without him, there is no ruin. You know, he's kind of like my, uh, you know, like Tom Hagen is and uh, The Godfather. He's my consigliere, <laughs> man. <laughs> you know? wow, Even though wow. Robert's his own uh, Corleone, he's his own boss. But at the end of the day, I consult with him on a lot of fucking business, a lot of shit. Like, hey, what do you think about this? Because... He won't be afraid to tell me, dude, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Or no, don't do that. That's gonna, you're gonna fucking lose your ass. Or no, that's fucking retarded. Don't do that. It's fucking, you know, it just looks bad, you know. Or no, that's not a good idea because of this and this and that, you know. So yeah, we bounce shit off each other all the time. He, he asked the same thing of me when it comes to his label. Like, hey, what do you think of this? And I was like, yeah, no, no, no. You know, don't work with that band just because uh, they might be lazy. They might, you know, this and that. Or, you know, maybe they might not do anymore. No one knows who the fuck they are. Um, but at the same time, some of those bands could take off, you know, and uh, blow up if you really believe in it. If it's if your heart and, and energy is behind something, fuck it, you know, as far as putting that out or whatever. But again, you know, um, you know, without him, definitely there wouldn't be Ruin or the Ruin Death Metal Cult or whatever. You know, he's definitely one of the leading forces behind everything that we do and uh it's interesting because he was there at the beginning and then he's been there with me ever since because he was crucial at the time in 2015 when uh we did the demo um i didn't have any fucking money you know financially i was just fucking strapped man you guys know how that is you know you're living on ramen and fucking uh Vienna sausage can shit, you know, tuna and shit like that. Like, if you're lucky, you're buying fucking cheap-ass pasta, you know, drinking faucet water and shit like that. That's how fucking broke I was. So, it was just one of those things, one thing after another, yeah, fuck, you know, no big deal. I'm fucking, you know, I'm breathing. So, we're gonna fucking handle it, but I told Robert, look, I want to get this going, but I can't do it by myself, so what do you think? And he's like, fuck it, I'll do it. And that was it. So, without him, we wouldn't be here right now. We're talking, you know? Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. that That's a lot right there. And I thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, in the beginning of your telling the rune story, that you know, the, the bio, there's been people who have thought it wasn't real, that sort of thing. I have to admit, when I first learned about rune and read about rune several years ago and i read the bio i had to question myself I, i'm glad we got to this point where we could do this interview and i yeah. can and i could meet you and i could hear you tell your story obviously i have no doubt in what you're saying now but it is it's a fantastic story to imagine all that happening um without meeting uh somebody and putting a voice to it so it, it really is amazing and you know we're sorry that your bandmates um uh had those fates uh, in their life, but but like you say, you and your original singer have gone on to to carry the Rune legacy, uh, to still be about music and underground metal and that camaraderie there. So that there's there's a lot there. There's a lot of depth there, um, and I want to get into the resurrection of Rune in 2015. But maybe we could go chronologically. Could you take me now to you guys are in Rune when you're younger? There's all this going on. There's um, like you said with the bass player. There's mental health issues. Um, there's, there's, uh, the other band member gets incarcerated. All this stuff is going on. Take us from that point in your life to, uh, I believe you start hanging out with a group of people and join kind of almost a fear of God cover band, fear of God from Switzerland. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and that becomes gasp if I got that right. Right. right? 
Yeah. Yeah, so uh, after Ruin kind of fell by the wayside, I actually uh, had a band called Malfunction that was like full-on grindcore, you know, like basically extreme noise terror meets, you know, Napalm Death and Fear of God, like you you just mentioned. So it's like full-on punk grindcore, hardcore, but, you know, had a good metal tinge to it. And uh, we were known for energetic shows and just going nuts and fucking, you know, just brutal balls out, blast beats, you know. Kind of like similar to Gothicles, if you guys are into that type of grind, you know, just full-on aggro. Just yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Out. Yeah, the Gothicles comes up a lot on the show. Punk rock energy, man. You know, they were one of the hugest influence for sure. influences for sure. So, had that, and then that, you know, that kind of was off and on and this and that. And then uh, Gasp came along, and I think I was like... So, the drummer of Ruin, uh, he's one success story because he actually was in gasp with me at the beginning and he actually eventually moved on to become like an international punk rock superstar and uh, being able to tour the world and <laughs> be successful so he's the one guy in ruin that actually did something besides me you know <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> in the music wh- scene so what, what band yeah what, what did uh, you fyp uh five-year plan uh, they were they're, they're oh, kind okay. of more like uh like snotty punk you know like street punk i guess uh you know, they were, you know, it's kind of funny. They were kind of precursor to Blink-182, that shit that blew up. Uh, FYP could have been really massive on MTV. But, you know, those guys were uh, Todd and Sean and whatever bass player they were using. They were just more into doing their thing. I don't think they huh. really give a shit. You know, Todd had the record label, too. Um, the, the name of the label escapes me. Recess Records. There we go. Uh, they got a lot of just, you know, punk and rock and roll stuff and uh but FYP was fun, man. And we were just so happy for Sean because he's such a good guy. And uh, like I said, Ruin was such a disaster after a while with everything. and had so much potential that uh, it was cool to see Sean uh, go off and do something. But then, you know, Sean and I got Gasp going. So basically, Gasp started with Sean and another friend of ours, Sean, and uh, this kid, Ross, doing uh, covers in this living room in a suburb of L.A. called Whittier, Whittier, California. Um, I think Richard Nixon might have been born there, if I'm not mistaken. I know his library is like over here in your Belinda, but I think Richard Nixon was born in Whittier, so that's what it's known for. But uh, he, uh, so anyway, Sean and uh, those guys were doing these, you know, were really into Fear of God from Switzerland, which is that crazy grindcore band. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they were doing all these uh, cover songs of the band, and I just happened to hang out at the practice, drink a beer smoking weed and i was just kind of like hey you guys like need another member i'd love to jam with you guys so that's how it started and then next thing you know the lineup changed but sean and i stuck together and then we ended up uh grabbing my friend mitch who was actually i don't know if you've heard that you guys heard that la black metal band ritual uh mitch is the original drummer okay and uh we saw ritual play a show back in like 93 94 or something like that and sean and i were just blown away because he could blast you know so that's what we wanted Man, from the get-go, Gasp was going to be a different type of band. We were, you know, we we're going to have blast beats. We we're going to be death metal. We we're going to be punk. We we're going to be experimental. We we're going to be all over the place. We we're just going to play everything because we were as much into I Hate God as we were into Sodom and Autopsy. You know, so we were just going to mix it up. You know, just fucking throw it in a blender. And I know, you know, what ended up happening was was fun. You know, but at first. You know, we weren't metal enough for the metalheads, and we weren't punk rock enough for the punk rockers. So we were just kind of on our own. 
and uh, we were playing all these weird death metal shows and at the time you're talking about like 1995 you know deicide were getting more brutal death metal and suffocation was blowing up and you know all these brutal death metal bands were coming out things were getting more technical so you know us being kind of more punk rock guys we're just kind of like oh fuck we're getting lost in the shuffle and we're playing these these death metal shows backyards in la and people weren't having it man they wanted to hear fucking you know suffocation style so (laughs) we were just like lost for a little bit and then uh i had grown up with the guys from dystopia and uh they basically took us under their wing and said ah play some shows with us man you guys are wasting your time over there in that other scene because you're not that and they're not going to accept you but what we're doing is we're going to fucking create our own thing and that's what they did and we had a bunch of bands like man is the bastard you know no comment and uh that kind of bridged metal and punk but it was just really fast, really experimental, really crazy, a lot of different types of stuff. And uh, at one point, even Excruciating Terror, you know, we were doing a lot of shows with them and they were playing a lot of shows of that style too, kind of just drifting away from that whole death metal thing, you know, because the it's kind of sad how that happens back then, you know, it kind of just separated, you know. These days, it's fuck. I mean, you look at Maryland Death Fest and some of the festivals in Europe, it's all over the place. There's all kinds of different fucking styles and that's great because that's what we want to do because, you know, like I was saying earlier, we don't fucking sit here and listen to the same shit over and over again. We want to change it up and enjoy some Motown, enjoy some Mortician, you know, enjoy some, you know, whatever, man, some Ghetto Boys, you know, just mix it up. You can't listen to the same shit over and over again. You just got to enjoy it, man. So, we it just kind of took off from there and uh i think uh the drugs and the alcohol probably helped fuel the experimental direction of gas because later once we did the so we ended up doing the sore for days demo and that was uh very heavy you know very death metal influenced down tuned but screeching high vocals that i had at the time so it was kind of like i hate god and grief mixed with you know, autopsy and then hardcore punk, but really downtuned and heavy. I mean, that's what it is. Basically, it's really super downtuned, heavy punk. Uh, but people really dug it, you know. So, especially in this weird scene that we had, like I said, we, we, we were kind of weren't metal, weren't punk. We were just in the middle. We were forming our own thing. And then, you know, next thing you know, Maz the Bastard uh, kind of took us under their wing, too. You know, they were fucking getting really known back then. And, uh, we started doing these shows and going down to San Diego and going up to the Bay Area and playing with uh, Plutocracy and No Less and mm-hmm. you know Agents of Satan and Benumb and wow. shit like that. Wow. And just, uh, all the, I mean, all just for the listeners, all the names you're mentioning, you're really talking about the organic, natural beginning of what people refer to as power violence. Absolutely, yeah. Because I mean, you know, the whole power violence term—it's like everybody sounds like Infest now. You know, all these young bands want to sound like Infest or crashed out no comment there's nothing wrong with that either but i think uh and most of the bands sound like that you know hey like i said it's good and some of these bands are fucking great yeah some of these bands do it better than the the older bands do that's you know i'm definitely not one of those old timers like okay every single band sucks these days it's just not true man some of these kids have the same energy that we had you know and it needs to be recognized and respected because they're carrying the fucking torch you know so you know 
hey, just like back in the day, just like some of us, you know, some of the bands aren't that great, you know, but what are you going to do? You know, so you like what you like. But it was uh, interesting because back then, all the bands sounded different. You had Newthgrush from the Bay Area, which was total doom and sludge. And then you had Excruciating Terror, which was total grindcore D-beat, you know, just fucking insanity. One of like, my all-time favorites, yeah. Oh, dude. You yeah. know, I actually jammed with Excruciating Terror a couple times, and both times, 1994 and then later in 2000, um, they just didn't end well, and I didn't end up staying in the in the project just because mm. of circumstances. I think the first time, I literally got in a car accident mm. on the freeway in 94, and then the second time, it just the band was kind of falling apart and I'm still really good buddies with Jerry, the guitar player, the original guitar player. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, we laugh about that every once in a while. He's always like, ah, you were a shitty bass player anyways. You wouldn't have lasted, <laughs> you know, cause he's such a czar about the band. You know, they had the sound. He's probably right too. I probably couldn't play some of that shit, but I love that fucking band. I'm yeah. totally, they're such a huge influence. They were a huge influence on gasp. They're a huge influence on ruin. Um, one of my favorite bands too. So I'll agree with you on that one. Um, yeah, but man. yeah, and, you know, the, the, we did the sort for days demo and then, uh, we ended up running into Chris Dodge at Slapaham and, uh, he loved us, you know, and our bass player at the time, Cynthia, who, you know, she's still our bass player now. Um, she, uh, became friends with Chris and she kind of, uh, put that bridge out. And, uh, next thing you know, we're signed you know even back then a sign is a handshake you know the, the we're, we're not signing a contract you know this is punk rock right it's hardcore <laughs> so we're just uh we have a gentleman's agreement quote unquote so and i mean chris is awesome too he's so trustworthy and even back then i mean his reputation was impeccable but he, you know he put out so much legendary shit we're just yeah. like even back then we're just like oh my god we're on fucking slap a hand <laughs> we hit the fucking jackpot dude you know that was even I mean, now it's even more renowned and famous label. Back then, it was already legendary with the stuff that they did. I mean, they did a fucking Melvin's fucking release, you know, and that's crazy because, you know, Melvin's are legendary. And then, you know, not even talking about the Man is the Bastard crossed out split, you know, and then moving later on to like Census Apocalypse and Fuck on the Beach, all the Japanese stuff that they did and uh, just everything, everything that they did, all this classic spaz stuff and you know, just a real crucial uh, record label in the timeline of underground extreme music, which right. you guys love and I love. And, you know, yeah, like I said, I'm a death metal guy through and through, but you can't deny good music and especially deep underground good music. It doesn't matter what genre it is. It doesn't matter if you're in a little dive bar in South Central Los Angeles and you're watching an old blues guy play that is killer you know or you're at project blowed down the street and you know watching some rapper guys just organically just freestyling or whatever that is killer or you're at the whiskey and you're watching you know whatever local death metal bands that are fucking killer just fucking massacring the fucking crowd you know that's what it's all about it's I miss That's, going to shows so much hearing yeah. you say that. Oh, yeah, especially now, you know, what we've been going through, you know. I mean, we're still here breathing. We should be thankful, but of course, the man, lack yeah. of shows has been rough, you know. It's it's funny. Hearing you talk about all this old-school power violence stuff, The um, and just for the listeners, too, if this is something kind of new to them, 
the two compilations I recall and when I was in high school in the in the late nineties that really got me into all that stuff were the Cry Now Cry Later series and the uh, Fiesta Comes Alive live yeah. all, all the slap of him uh, bands yeah. with live tracks and it and if you listen to that Fiesta Comes Alive compilation it really gives you a sense because like you you touched on something and. I know you don't want to be the old guy that hates on all the young guys, but but I'll do that. I'll do it, <laughs> even though I even though I love a lot of young bands. We always we have younger artists here all the time, man. I'm not the I'm not that dude, but I will say I think you're right. Where the term power violence nowadays kind of means a very specific sound that has a little bit of a crossover from like tough guy hardcore into grindcore, whereas. Yeah. In the old days, I've I've said this before on the pod. Shout to Mason from Enemy Soil. We uh, we had him on the oh, podcast yeah. uh, very early That's on a few years ago, That's and I had a conversation with him. I think he disagreed with me on uh, on the on this point, just in what you call things or whatever. But uh, I always likened power violence, that movement anyway, to like new wave in the eighties, where it was just. It was just you couldn't categorize the sound. It was it was categorized by the fact that it was people doing something different that didn't fit into neat little boxes. You know what I mean? And you can't say right. that you can't say new wave just all sounded like the Talking Heads or it all sounded like Devo or whatever. It was just a whole different. The same way you can't say all power violence is man is the bastard. All, all power violence yeah. is excruciating terror. It was a movement I saw that was kind of like outside the boundaries of conventional extreme music at that point. Well, yeah, you're definitely right in a sense because power violence, quote unquote, back then that that scene was started out of a necessity because we didn't fit anywhere else. So it was almost like, well, you know what? Fuck you. We're going to do our own fucking thing, organize our own gigs Mm -hmm. and record our own shit and put out our own stuff. And that's it. And we don't give a fuck about you. But if you like it, you're more than fucking welcome to come check it out. You can come to the shows and shit like that because you know, some of the death metal bands, we would play with them still, even moving later on to like, you know, 1998, 1999, towards the end of that incarnation of gas back then. Um, but it was it was out of necessity. There, there was no other way to do it except for do our own shows and do our own thing because we had no choice. Because why would you want to play live or record music? for people that aren't into it mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah dude we love it it's in our blood and everything but why would you waste your time on something like that when you can actually reach people that get it that support it that make it worth the while to take time off of work to waste your fucking money into the abyss of being in a fucking stupid band <laughs> right <laughs> it's endless and the relationships that fall by the wayside with your significant other, your family, all that fucking uh, man. I'm not trying to whine, but it's true. It fucking happens. Yeah. So why would you fucking waste your fucking time and energy on something? You know, I mean, I'm working at a fucking gas station in Detroit at fucking three in the morning. Fucking I'm lucky if I don't get my head shot off for the fucking, you know, $30 that's in the till, you know. And one thing I'm looking forward to is fucking band practice later with my fucking grind band, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, and I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, you know, 
I'm fucking really fucking stoked on this shit that I'm doing and that, uh, you know, there's fucking people. There's going to be a hundred fucking people there at the fucking show later on when I make it out of this hellhole. I'm just generalizing, obviously, guys, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, that same could be, you know, said for me going back. Let's see. Where was I fucking at 1996? I was working at Target. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's not a fucking horrible job, but I was working the, the food service area. So, you know, it seems to be my thing. I'm a fucking big guy, so I'm always working in the goddamn food service area. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I'm back there fucking cooking or whatever. Yeah, it kind of sucks or whatever. But it, like I said, it's not the fucking worst job I've ever had. But uh, that's the fucking thing that drives you, you know, at that time. Like, hey, and even to this day, it's like, I fucking really appreciate being able to fucking do this, to sit here and talk to you guys and being able to fucking put my music out if you can call it that music right put my fucking noise out there for people to fucking appreciate you know so i think that was the thing with that original power violence stuff and you know maybe it was different for mason back then with enemy soil but i remember them and i think it had to have been somewhat similar you know like people just weren't getting it as much in certain scenes, quote unquote. So it was almost like, fuck it. We're just going to fucking create our own thing. And I think that's why Chris started slap a ham and gasp started. And as the bastards started, enemy soil started excruciating terror started, you know, just out of uh, all that stuff. I I don't want to misquote Mason either. I was, I think it was just something about the term power violence as opposed to just, I think his his mentality was just fuck it, call it grindcore. You know what no, I mean? Like Mason yeah, no, rules. But, I mean, you know, yeah, enemy soil yeah. was oh, that cool grindcore, cool but yeah. they were part of that scene too. I Absolutely, mean, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Back then, you know, New York had what Black Army Jacket, yep. fucking uh, Discordance Access. You know, my boy Dave Witty on the fucking drums. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, what's uh, what was the Cattle Press, dude? I have yeah, Cattle Press, heavy duty shit. My boy Ralphie. Um, oh, disassociate. disassociate. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. I haven't talked to Ralphie in years. That's my boy when uh, Great Disassociate band. was out here, gas play with them, and we fucking palled around for a bit. That was 1999, dude. That was wow. Yeah, I, I, I love I, Ralphie. I love I, those guys. I used to see Disassociate open up a lot of local grind and death metal shows when I was oh, um, they were fun, dude. a they were teenager. Great Ralphie's like the mayor of that. Uh, the, the, the you know He's always the mayor of the city he's living in, too. <laughs> we were over in town. He was always hanging. Yeah, um, great band disassociate too. Just for the listeners, if they want a uh, uh, kind of a New York band that's very undersung in the grindcore history, old school, underrated yeah. man. They were fun. They were a fucking good band. Um, and, great live too. And while while I got you, Mike, I want to you know yeah. there. I, I we always do our research for these interviews, and I was looking you up, and there was a great interview you did with Cult Nation a while back, yeah. and you alluded to a lot of crazy shit that happened during the power violence era. I don't know if you recall the interview, but I wanted to kind of call you on a couple of these these uh, <laughs> uh, alleged stories that took place uh, in this Cult Nation interview. I got to give them the credit. Um, they they asked you, do you have any wild stories about artists and th- this and that? And you kind of gave a whole bunch of like little headlines, uh, so to speak. Uh, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But I want to uh, go over a couple with you. And the first one being that uh, Gasp had a practice space behind a car wash and you would have people waiting to get their car clean, come over and hang out and party with you. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. So it's, uh, what we did is, uh, 
we practiced in Lawndale, California. So to give you an idea, the, 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 an idea, the next city over is Lomita, and that's where St. Vitus comes from, the band. Okay. Uh, so we're huge influence, you know, St. Vitus. They fucking rule. But uh, so we're jamming in Lawndale, and it's right there on this main, you know, Hawthorne Boulevard, I think, right there, right off the 405. So it's like a main thoroughfare of the, you know, basically um, they call it kind of kind of like the outskirts of the South Bay. Okay. They call it the, the South Bay Los Angeles. And uh, Cynthia, her boyfriend at the time, lived there. And his band practiced there in the garage. And it's in the hood. So the neighbors don't give a shit. So basically, his band would practice in the late afternoon into the evening. And uh, Gasp would practice in the morning into the afternoon. And the neighbors, nobody gave a fuck. So we would fucking start making a racket like 11 a.m. And like no one cared. And I think a lot of it was the car wash was right there. So right over the wall was the parking lot of the car wash. And uh, some of the people that would be getting their car washed would come knock on the garage and want to come hang out. But I also think they they heard the racket, but they probably smelled the weed too. So <laughs> we had all we had a huge cast of characters. Every, every you know, the the one of the best is uh, we had this. Uh, pimped out black dude that was getting his his Cadillac washed at the car wash and he smelt the weed and heard the music and he 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 hung out with us and no joke his name was Jerome Jerome hung out with us for four hours <laughs> like he went and grabbed his car after it was washed and he parked and he came back and he actually he bought beer and came back to hang out with us one of the coolest guys we ever met and it was kind of sad because we never saw the guy again. It was almost like, dude, you know, <laughs> he's invited every Sunday because this was on Sundays, believe it or not. Yeah. Every Sunday, Jerome is invited. He was so badass. And uh, we had cholos coming out, hanging out, just random, you know, random dudes, random girls, you know, just checking out the, the practice every once in a while. You know, we were there, I don't know, it might have been about a year or something, maybe, maybe a few months. You know, fuck, my memory's so hazy now. But uh, uh, we were there for a while, and uh, it was just one of those. I mean, you guys probably have those neighborhoods too, where it's just a crazy community, you know. It's just one of those things. And there was a lot of outsiders around the area just getting their car washed, uh, but they were just fuck it. They happened to be around, and they were just like, "What the fuck is going on over there?" And whoever was drawn to the gasp sound or the weed smoke. <laughs> wanted to come hang out and it was perfectly cool anybody that would bang on that door we'd open it up like hey what's going on you know hey we got uh, yeah come on in uh, fuck it you know because we always had beer and weed right i thought <laughs> i heard <laughs> weed over here uh. <laughs> yeah, hey that's awesome know, man. even that's... to this day that's a uh, you know, gas practice hasn't changed much i don't really smoke much myself these days you know every once in a while i don't mind a good blunt you know whatever a good joint but uh yeah, I'm not really ripping the bong anymore. Well, the band is called Gasp. I mean, what do you expect? Um, Fucking am. I mean, if you heard our shit too, you'd be, you'd have to be on drugs. To like well, it. yeah, and you know, I, when we were talking behind the scenes, setting this up, I told you I do have Drone Trailer of Puzzle Zoo people on vinyl. I believe I bought that upstate oh, wow. at uh, uh, House of Guitars Record Store in Rochester, New York, used. Oh shit! Of all places, yeah, just interesting. And now, yeah. now, now, now I own it, but um. Uh, okay. 
So I want, so I definitely wanted to touch on a few more of these um, old school power violence stories. Another one I did want to ask you about is something that sounds a little less safe than the the uh, the car wash rehearsal spot. Playing backyard shows in Watts in a crip neighborhood <laughs> and being yeah. um, escorted. I, I think I read to the store by uh, armed uh, escorts. Oh yeah, so to speak. Oh yeah. So right by Watts Towers in Watts, California, is Grape Street. And uh, if people that aren't familiar, that's definitely one of the craziest neighborhoods in maybe even the United States, you know. I mean, there's other crazy neighborhoods in the world, I'm sure. But, you know, as far as the United States go, uh, you don't play around down at Watts. Yeah, if you look up Watts, and I mean, I, I even being from all the way out here on Long Island, I know if you look up Watts and Grape Street in relation to gang culture um, out out there, it's, it's some, some of the most extreme uh, examples you could get, probably, right? Most definitely, man. You yeah. don't, yeah, you don't mess around with the Crips, and you know, especially Grape Street. Um, definitely one of the oldest uh, communities in South Los Angeles, and one of the oldest gang cultures. So, I mean, we can have a whole show about that. And, uh, you know, I've always been kind of fucking nomadic myself just growing up in L.A. And, yeah, I'm a white guy or whatever, but, you know, I I never gave a shit, man. I go where I want to go or whatever. So sometimes I might end up in an area that's not, not too great, maybe a little bit rough. I shouldn't belong there. But I always thought it was stupid because I didn't buy into all that shit, you know, myself. So I, I wanted to go where I wanted to go, you know. And uh, I had no hang-ups on that stuff. And uh, maybe I was a little naive in a lot of ways, but, you know, because I had a lot of friends tell me, no, you don't belong down there, man. But I was just kind of like, I don't see it that way because I don't feel that way about human beings, you know? Mm -hmm. I just, I want to go where I want to go, and I don't care what color you are or where you come from, you know? If there's something going on down there that I want to go check out, I'm going to go. If I get myself into some trouble, I guess that's on my shit, you know? But, um, yeah, it's a rough area, man, and... uh, we played some shows down there. My old band, Malfunction, played down there. And uh, there was this place called the White House. And uh, it was a homemade stage. It was right there, right across the street from the Watts Towers, right by Grape Street and all that. And uh, we uh, played a couple shows down there, and it went off. You know, it was fucking awesome. Just that underground energy, you know. On the East Coast, I guess you guys had a lot of basement parties, you know, the basement DIY parties. Mm-hmm. But we had backyards because we don't have basements out here as much because of the fucking earthquakes and shit. So um, a lot of the houses, you know, obviously have backyards and especially in old Los Angeles, old East L.A., old South Los Angeles, even parts of, uh, you know, downtown or whatnot. A lot of the uh, houses have bigger backyards, so they were perfect to throw shows. So a lot of the diehards would build stages and throw shows and, you know, three dollars ahead or. Sometimes it was free and you just chip in money for the keg or whatever. But, you know, the White House was uh, great. They had a lot of killer shows there. Gas played. And uh, at one point we ran out of beer and there was a liquor store down the street. And uh, the uh, the guys that were throwing the show were gangsters, but they were uh, Mexican gangsters. And they said, no, you don't want to go to the store right now. We need to come with you because the Crips are hanging out. And I was like, oh, yeah? Oh, okay. You know, so they escorted us. But they said, you know, before we leave, we got to strap up. And I knew what that meant. That means, you know, put your guns in your 
and your waistband and shit. And uh, that's what they did. But the uh, the gangsters that we were with knew the Crips. So the Crips just, yeah, they were looking at me a little weird, like, what the fuck? Who's this white boy? You know, but they, whatever. I wasn't wearing red, thankfully. So <laughs> they didn't yeah. fucking shoot me. And uh, we had no problems or whatever. But I think they knew, you know, the uh, the dudes that I was with were real deal, just like they were. So they were just like, eh, whatever. We're not messing with these guys. They're just coming to get beer. At the end of the day, it was no threat or anything, you know. I was just kind of unassuming. I was just the token white guy. You know, Dave Chappelle has a fucking sketch about that shit. <laughs> Every, all the brothers got to have a token white guy, you know. I guess I was the token white guy that night. <laughs> Even though they were they were helping me to the fucking liquor store yeah. uh, to get the beer or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, no, you know, at the time, I had already been drinking and smoking some weed and shit. I didn't even really think about it. Looking back on it now, you know, now that we're, you know, every time I kind of reflect on it, it's like, fuck, dude, that's fucking crazy. You know, that is pretty crazy. But because uh, yeah. who knows what those guys, those Crip guys had on them, you know, how how armed they were. I'm sure they were well armed. Huh. And the guys I was with were well armed. Like, If I was in the middle of something, I guess I'd be screwed. But uh, it didn't happen. And I don't really look back on that. I don't cry over spilled milk and shit like that. So it is what it is, man. It's kind of like if you went to the shows in, in Los Angeles back in the day, um, that's what happened. Unfortunately, there was a uh, there was another place in southeast L.A. called 71st and Converse. And there was a metalhead that got shot in the face uh, by the, one of the gangs there. there. There was some metal shows going on there. I mean, everybody from Fear Factory to Gasp to Phobia, Excruciating Terror, everybody played there. And this one show happened. I think Sadistic Intent played there too one time. This one show that happened, the last show there, um, the fucking gangster decided to shoot the kid in the face for whatever reason. I don't know what the, the whole story was. I wasn't there that night. But uh, that was it. They stopped doing shows there. You know, the family was, you know, obviously it was a fucking tragedy. The kid died. And uh, that was it. So I think the, I think that was the death of the backyard shows in LA for a few years. And then it kind of popped back up in the two thousands again, you know, different neighborhood it never happened at that place again, you know, but you know, um, that was, that was how it was back then. Unfortunately, you know, but, yeah. uh, at the same time, there was just some great memories at those places. You know, you connected with like-minded individuals and so many killer bands, so many good times. Uh, you know, it's like, we talked about like, you know, I'm an older cat, but, and yeah, I love all the new stuff and everything. And I try to support some of the youngsters and whatnot. And people that know me will tell you that I try to be as supportive as possible, but, uh, nothing's ever going to be like it was back then because all that shit was new, you know, it was like new feelings, new experiences, you know, so nothing's ever going to be the same as first hearing immolation for the first time or, you know, getting a entombed demo or a nihilist demo or something like that or seeing Carcass live for the first time, you know? Yeah, that's never going to happen again. Just like seeing Iron Maiden for the first time. It's never going to happen again, you know? Huh. You see them now, and it's like, it's great, but all that prime, young stuff, or whatever, you just have to keep it in your memory and create fucking killer fucking new memories, you know? Well, that, and that's, try not to compare it too much to what happened back then, because there is no comparison, man. You know, it's not like... There is no bands... You know, there's not going to be, there are no bands that are fucking as badass as like Prime Sabbath, Prime Slayer, old school Metallica. It's just not going to happen. It's never going to happen again. 
know? That that's what these interviews are good for because we could just talk about it <laughs> at, at length if we right, want. Right, right. Um, well, I appreciate you sharing that with us, man. A, a real um, uh, a dose of reality there uh, in 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 the scene uh, from back in the day. And I don't want to do the whole interview without giving um, due credit to uh, the newer era of Rune. Um, so we you know we talked a lot about power violence and about gasp. Uh, and for the listeners, you do have a band camp where most of the guest releases are available. And uh, in yeah. two, it, I, was it now you guys came back and I, I believe it was 2018 for MDF. Was that it? Uh, yeah. Gasp uh, played 2018 MDF. Yeah. And and since then, you've recorded the 2020 full length uh, Star Donis. Have, have I got that right on To Live a Lie Records? Yeah, that's actually a seven inch. It's just like three songs. Okay, all right. It's uh, it's yeah. it's hard. Yes, it's uh, I I I didn't know if I listened to the whole thing or just yep. the three songs. Now that was interesting because that to me, what I you know, I had just recently listened to Drone Trialer uh, again, uh, the LP uh, from back in the day on Slapham Records, and then today I listened to Stardonis. It seems like there's. There's still that trippy psychedelic quality. There's some experimental stuff, but it also seems in some parts a lot more black metal and and maybe even carcass <laughs> influence. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Because we throw everything in a blender, you know, and yeah. uh, we listen to all that stuff. And even though, you know, I mean, obviously, you guys know I'm a death metal guy. You know, um, I'm a grindcore guy. I'm a fucking extreme fucking music freak. The rest of uh, gas is all over the map, you know, and a couple of the couple of the guys and the gal that, you know, they listen to all kinds of different stuff these days, not specifically metal or punk. You know, they listen to all kinds of experimental stuff, but at the same time, they still listen to metal and punk too. So, you know, it's even f- it's some of the heavy duty stuff, they're totally down to uh, get all black metal, get all death metal, whatever, you know, so we're going to be all over the map. You know, that's just a little small taste of what we have in store. That stuff actually, uh, we actually wrote and recorded that stuff in like 2018, and it, you know, it just came out not too long ago. Uh, it just shows you how fucking slow Gasp is too. Huh. We're just you know, fucking behind the eight ball. Uh, you know, the fucking pandemic really didn't help either. But you oh, know, yeah, of uh, course. We, we, you know, moving forward with Ruin, you know, uh, we've been able to fucking function thankfully. You know, uh, a little bit, even though we would have had a lot more stuff out. But we're just very thankful we've been able to. Uh, keep it going because the guys have uh home studios and shit like that and they're able to tolerate my fucking weird demands and all that shit with gas but it's like it's been hard for us to all get in a room all at one time uh obviously over the last year but we uh when we reformed in 2017 um all the way up until the beginning of the pandemic just about a month prior we had been recording almost every single session uh getting together live so we have a lot of fucking material and a lot of improvisational stuff a lot of actually written songs i mean there's a lot of material to go through so our our latest drummer mike mitch is our old drummer but he now does like soundscapes and keyboards and backing vocals and stuff like that he does a lot of the music production stuff we had a uh we got like a younger guy my buddy mike to play drums because he could actually fucking still bang and blast and, <laughs> you know crazy you know mitch is more into like ethiopian jazz and a lot of experimental stuff you know mulatto oh, yeah oh yeah like <laughs> to listen to, you know naked french guys in the forest you know being weird you know putting 
paper clips together and recording shit like that. Grown a bard, yeah, I've heard grown a bard. Which hey, you know, hey, that fucking shit's rad too, you know, especially when you're on LSD and shit like that. You know, who wants to listen to, you know, repulsion when you're on LSD? Which you know, I've done before, but hey. I, I allegedly have listened to Gasp on shrooms. I, I, I'm not going to confirm uh, or deny it. But maniac, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, but but um, uh, so so just getting it getting into that a little bit. Um, uh, you know, you talk about Gasp getting back together, but I want to talk about um, I want to switch over, switch gears a little bit to Rune because Rune comes back in 2015 yep. uh, uh, with um, the Spread uh, Plague Hell demo, right? Can you tell me a little bit about just, uh, you know, as much as you want to divulge, what goes on between uh, Gasp uh, calling it a day? I guess that was the late 90s, right? Early 2000s? Yeah, 99. 99. And, yeah. and, and uh, uh, Rune reactivating in 2015. Were you active musically? Yeah, I was doing... Uh, see, Gasp actually reunited in, like, 2004. We tried to get together and do some stuff because we had a... We had that Earwigs Guide to Traveling compilation that came out, which was like all our seven inches and the split with Suffering Luna and shit like that. So uh, some unreleased stuff or whatever. So um, we tried uh, jamming again. Everything was going good. But then just, you know, schedules and other stuff, miscellaneous stuff just kind of got in the way and fell by the wayside. So we stopped doing that. And then I ended up uh, jamming with some local friends uh, in a band called Self-Inflicted, which was more like death metal grindcore. Um kind of like suffocation influence type stuff uh maybe some napalm death and uh that kind of got me in the swing of things and then uh i ended up doing grave hill for a few years uh nine years almost 10 years i was that, singing for grave hill that's right so, i did i did read that yeah. i apologize i did put that no, on the research awesome. you actually performed vocals on three of the four existing grave hill full lengths I did, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, Rights of the Pentagram, When All Roads Lead to Hell, and Death Curse, and then uh, we did a couple of the EPs, and might have done a split, uh, my memory's a little hazy, just like the ruined stuff, don't even get me started, we have so much stuff out, I can't even remember half of it, A lot of but, splits, a lot of splits. Yeah, yeah, no, the Graveville stuff's kind of a blur too, but uh, no, that was great, that was some of the best times, you know, I'm still really tight with those guys too, um, and uh, did Graveville for quite a few years. You know, and we did MDF, and we did some U.S. tours. We toured with Deceased, you know, some legends over there on the East Coast. And uh, yes. we did yeah. a tour with Diocletian. Um, I don't know. We did a, our first tour with Splatterhouse from Portland. Awesome. Uh, see, I'm trying to – and then we just did a bunch of miscellaneous fests all over the place, and it was a lot of fun, man. It was great. We did Central Illinois Metal Fest with – shit ton of killer bands always wanted to uh, go to that yeah we did oh no that was great and then we did jersey death fest one year in 2009 for roy fox and gutter okay uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. i know them yeah those are our boys what's up roy and gut um yeah roy roy and gut flew us out and uh we played with mortician and incantation and acuron and uh disma and you know played with a bunch of heavy hitters out there and that was a great time that kind of put us on the map a little bit and uh no, we had a fucking great run. I mean, I had a great run with them. And uh, then basically I just wanted to do my own thing, you know. And then uh, like around 2014 came around and that's when I started thinking about the the Ruin concept. And it was uh, going to be under a different name. And then I just kind of was talking to Robert and he's like, hey, fucking, hey, Dick, why don't you just use Ruin, man? Remember huh. that? Oh, yeah. No shit. He's all, it's the same shit. It was a great idea. 
because it's a really fucking cool name. It's real simple and fucking, you know. I had uh, my buddy Nev, you know, in uh, Ele- uh, Chicago, Illinois, create the logo. And uh, I think, you know, hey, I'm not trying to fucking uh, toot my own horn over here, but it's fucking kind of an iconic and very well-known logo at this point. So <laughs> yeah. uh, Nev and I fucking created something pretty cool. So, you know, especially the, the number of shirts and releases that the fucking logo's been on, I think... Uh, it was good what we did there and uh 2015 like i said earlier talked to robert we fucking came up with the concept of the demo um christian who uh is in the band now he actually was in the original formation of the band in like 2014 2015 he ended up moving up north and uh so i just kind of was down here trying to find people to jam with and that's when i found david and uh we hit it off i knew within the first 30 seconds of jamming with the guy if it was going to work or not you know what i mean like when you're in a band with somebody that first jam you know right away usually if it's going to click and it fucking clicked like it really fucking clicked next thing you know we got fucking three songs in like a week or so so that's when i was like all right let's fucking record we'll throw a discharge cover on there let's get a demo going and that's when i talked to robert he came up with the whole fucking uh collector bag concept you know the cult collector bag concept and uh the extras in there the sticker and the fucking poster and put the noose on the bag and shit like that and uh we got that rolling you know it was kind of expensive but we figured it was a good gamble and uh it really fucking put us on the fucking map you know we fucking threw the gauntlet down and said well we're here and we're not going anywhere so hello you know hell yeah man and uh you know, it's funny because, you know, having told your story now, it's like I said, a few years ago when I was kind of blindly uh, reading about Rune and read the biography, I, you know, like some people, I had my doubts because of the, um, the the things professed about the backstory of the band, which you have cleared up um, right. in, in this interview, which is why I'm glad we did, did this interview. And uh, the whole Rune aesthetic, the Rune death cult aesthetic knowing that that backstory um, is true and that there is a lot of, uh, uh, I guess you could just say, uh, darkness and a lot of turmoil that you had to go through um, to wave this banner of rune into modern times, uh, it, it gives it gives a lot of depth to it. And I want to talk about rune because you guys, like we've said, you guys have done a number of splits, I believe two full lengths, and the uh, Plague Transmissions Volume 1 and 2 on Blood Harvest Records are probably a good point of reference for listeners right now. That has like a collection of some of the material that was put out on splits and stuff like that. Um, but most recently, there was the Murderous Delirium single released and the split cassette with Thy Feeble Savior on Head Split Records uh, just this year, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, and I don't want to pry too far into Rune. Uh, I just want to uh, comment on that and how it... How it I guess um, uh, uh, plays into the other bands and into your history as a musician, uh, but still there's that there's that mystery there, uh, and we'll leave it there because uh, something I don't want to neglect in the course of this interview is talking about your most recent project, Vrenth. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, Vrenth. Yeah, and that is you know, and and uh, I always brief Tom and Justin when I'm bringing in uh, music or bringing in an artist to the show, when, when I told them I booked Mike Nelson, I said, here's Vrenth. And what I said about it was, 
Uh, and just briefly, it's somewhat more dynamic musically than Rune, uh, and a little bit less mysterious. Um, and I and I would and I say that respectfully because I think it embodies a lot of that raw old school uh, death metal mentality. But it seems like you branch out a little bit in terms of composition, uh, guitar work, even vocals in that band. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think uh, the difference between the bands because the you know the bands share a lot of the same members, just different drummers mm-hmm. at this point, and. Uh, I mean, David will tell you, Charlie Korn is uh, one of the best drummers in metal. Um, you listen to his, I mean, he's in Funebarum, he, he tours with Incantation. Um, he was in. He was on that latest Skeletal Remains album. He's, uh, he's all Ascended place, Dead, right? You know. As well. Yeah, we just he's talked in to... Ascended Dead, yeah. yep. He, wow, uh, he what, is, that last um, album they put out. Yeah, Phenomenal. no, I mean, Charlie is... What a uh, player. He's no doubt he's the best fucking drummer in metal right now (laughs) i mean i i'm honored honored and to jam with him and be his friend you know in that sense uh we're really proud of everything he's accomplished and we're really lucky to have him you know vrent's kind of started as a uh charlie and christian who's also in ruin uh charlie and christian uh were in uh necrosic with eric cutler from autopsy okay and uh the, uh, and Erica from Skolex, and then uh, Sean from, uh, let's see, Sean's in a bunch of bands. I don't want to, I, I guess I can't name one of the bands because he's got a hidden identity, but he uh, was in uh, Impaled. You know, Impaled's yeah. not really active, but they're still around. But yeah, Sean McGrath. Of course. Anyways, uh, Necrosic uh, were jamming, and then it kind of fell by the wayside because I think everybody got busy. So Christian and uh, Charlie had a bunch of riffs that they wanted to do, and uh, that's where Vrent started. So basically Christian asked me, Hey, do you want to put out this demo on death metal cult, which is the small label that I do? And I was like, yeah, you know, be uh, totally into it just because I don't even need to hear it. Cause I know those fuckers, what, whatever Charlie and Christian are going to put together is going to fucking rule. Right. So I was like, man, I'm fucking down to put this out. Then I heard it. I was like, Holy shit, this really does rule. And, uh, I didn't even really, you know, fucking champion for the f- vocal gig, but I was just kind of like, wow, that'd be cool to sing for that, you know? And then uh, Christian happened to ask me, like, hey, I need to do some vocals. Do you have any time? And I was like, fuck yeah, I got some fucking time. I'll make some time for this shit. Because it was fucking, you guys heard the heard the music and oh, fucking kills, dude. It's so sick, man. It's like, yeah, it was, it was. Kidding me? I'm going to fucking drop everything that I'm fucking doing. I'm going to fucking uh, <laughs> be a part of this, man. I'll fucking make time, you know? It was interesting stuff, and it sounds like you branched out into the into the more modern, uh, like guttural voice every once in a while. Not all the time on Vrenth, but it sounds like every once in a while you do a little bit more guttural stuff. Oh yeah, with Vrenth, I mean, you know, um, I think we talked about the ruin concept earlier a little bit, where uh, the the ruin concept overall lyrically is uh, is basically a serial killer on an acid trip or like in another world so the ruined lyrics don't make any fucking sense they're all over the place they could be different subjects just like you said war death disease makes a lot of violence it's just all fucking over the place it's basically i write that shit stream of consciousness whatever fucking pukes out of my system that's what comes out so you know you have a song like savage mutilation um that is just totally fucking brutal like old fucking Chris Barnes cannibal corpse fucking 
serial killer shit. Then you have some other songs that are just totally out there and more psychedelic and fucking like almost like poetry or whatever. Just that's how it comes out. It is what it is, you know. So there is no set direction, but that's basically ruin in general. Yeah. Is uh, there's no set concept or set this or template or anything like that. It comes out as it comes out, just like the music. And then with uh, with friends, I'm definitely not afraid to admit that. I heard that, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to rip off fucking Ross from Immolation the whole fucking time. No one's going to be as brutal as Ross, but I was just kind of like, he's one of my idols and my favorite fucking death metal vocalist of all time, and I was just like, and he's a fucking great guy too, um, that being said. But I was just kind of like, I'm going to fucking try to get that deep, just evil fucking bellow that he has, you know? And uh, I tried. And I think it came came out pretty cool. Whereas Ruins kind of a little bit all over the place, or you know, because on the front record I do a little high pitched and mid stuff or whatever, but not as much. It's kind of funny because the Ruin music is much more dynamic, like you said. But or, I'm sorry, the Brent music I meant is uh, much more dynamic and all over the place in that sense. Where Ruins more simplistic, where I think it's the opposite of the vocals, where it's like I felt Brent just needs to be very straightforward and brutal and kind of guttural and let the guitars be the star of that and Charlie's drums. Uh, that's the dynamic of that band. And the reason why Vrent is uh, much more dynamic is just simply because Chris writes all the Vrent stuff. I write all the Ruin stuff. Chris is much better <laughs> than yeah. I am. And David, like I said, no disrespect to David. That's my boy. And he fucking rules. I call him El Hellhammer because he fucking is heavy duty. But he'll admit, you know, Charlie is a better drummer. And uh, the skill fucking set in front is just at a 10 and ruined skill set is down at a 5. So <laughs> so you hear it in the dynamics of each band. But the thing is, you know, both bands have their strong suit of what they do. We know, Ruin knows, we know where we're at. We know where we're playing, what fucking sandbox we're in. And just like Brent, those fuckers... They know where they're at, and they're fucking writing all kinds of fucking, you know, they're like the rush of death metal, and then you got all these Eddie Van Halen solos and shit. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I, I, I heard the Van Halen so I had. To, I, I oh, definitely yeah. Van Halen popped into my head. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing too. If you got Van Halen solos on a fucking ruined track, there's something wrong there. It yeah. just doesn't sound right. But with Brent, it works because the dynamics of everything just comes together, you know. So, but well, with, you know, uh, both bands are fucking heavy duty. With Rune, I actually think. Rune is one of the uh, uh, bands I felt like was kind of a precursor to what they call caveman death metal now, where like all those maggot stomp records bands are, are, are blowing up, and you know Sanguisugabag uh, just came out with a new album, and they got signed to Century Media, and yeah. I, I see Rune as kind of like a maybe a precursor to that sound, you know, throwing it back to the real gritty old school, you know. Ah, you know, and I mean, you know, I'm friends with the maggot stomp guys, and fucking, I'm always happy with what they're doing. They're, you know, a lot of their bands seem to be getting signed. Uh, the, the big dogs of, you know, whatever, Censure Media yeah, and Hell's yeah. Headbangers and stuff like that. And that's whatever, man. I mean, you know, that's kind of how things work, you know, Dark Descent, you know. Um, and that's how the that's how shit ends up sometimes. Um, and, I'm you know, I'm friends with some of those bands, too. And, uh, you know, good for them. Fuck it. You know, uh, we don't really, uh, as far as Ruin and Brent, we, we don't really, we don't really... 
100% pay attention to what's going on out there, especially with Ruin. We're kind of in our own little world, and uh, we're just happy for fucking good people and our friends fucking moving forward and doing what they want to do and being successful. But we're not really paying attention to a lot of that shit. So we get, you know, like you're telling me some of this stuff, and that that's cool, you know. And as far as, like, what you want to call us, Call us whatever the fuck you want to call us. Just buy some fucking shit. You know what I mean? Like, I always say that. Yeah. Buy some fucking merchandise, man. You can call us fucking techno pop. I don't give a fuck, you know? Well. <laughs> fucking whatever, man. You know, I mean, the fucking caveman shit. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I'm a fucking caveman. So the caveman death definitely uh, seems to be uh, some sort of trend going on these days. And just like any other trend, it'll fucking fall by the wayside. And, you know, we're still going to be here, so it doesn't matter. Of They'll course. call us something of else, course. I guess, somewhere along down the line. But, yeah, we don't give a fuck, man. But at the same time, you know, some of the people that are into the caveman death or whatever, you know, they like us, and that's all that fucking matters, man. At the end of the day, it's like I said earlier, you know, if you fucking dig us, you're a part of the fucking family, then that's fucking killer, man. I mean, that's isn't that what it's all about? You know, we want to fucking reach a bunch of fucking people, and especially we're like, we basically are like a fucking punk fucking DIY band playing heavy death metal. So, hey, how could you not fucking dig that at the end of the day? You don't like it? Fuck it. Go find some other fucking band then, you know? No big fucking deal. Oh, We're still yeah. going to be doing our fucking thing. I'm, I'm not fucking losing any sleep over it, motherfuckers. <laughs> you know? So, Hell yeah. But, you know, that's fucking great. We're fucking appreciative of fucking uh, people fucking getting into it and uh, digging it and, uh, you know makes it fucking easier for us yeah well that's that's the right attitude man and uh you know like i i say from time to time um you know it's it's great to see the younger people getting into it it's great to see death metal uh exposed to a wider audience and i support all these younger artists and all that but i'm gonna be very happy in a few years when it dies down and it's uh death metal is just for the weirdos like me again so it, it, it just, gonna, just makes it a more rich experience. There's always young people out there, Will. There's always yeah. Guys. Yeah. They keep making them. It's gonna be. They just keep making them. It's yeah, true. but real death metal heads don't make new new people. That's a whole other yeah, uh, conversation true. to have, though. We'll we'll save that one yeah. for more more Povich. Yourself, I sell more shit when the trend gets bigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just, nah, yeah. I'm all, I, I'm only gonna have kids just so they could buy my leftover merch, man. That's the other thing. So, no, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it's for freaks and creeps like us, man. Yeah. I mean, that's the That always makes it, like I said, you know, those of us that are fucking blue collar working at the fucking gas station in the middle of the night or, you know, fucking working at the factory and shit like that, driving an old beat up car, you know, fucking, uh, you know, coming home to a bunch of kids that hate us and, you know, <laughs> the fucking uh, the wife just got off of work and she's pissed too, you know, so... <laughs> It's paint, a rite of passage, right? Paint the picture, well, brother. You know, paint. Yeah, I don't... Shit, and we do these fucking, you know, stupid bands, so... Nah, man. I, I don't... Mean, honestly, it's... Uh, it, it works either way. I'm going to be here either way, man, whether it's a trend or not or whatever. And, uh, you know, the the cool thing is I got... You know, we got uh, old school motherfuckers that dig us, and we got the younger crowd that digs us, too. So I yeah. think that's crucial. You know, we have the love and the respect of the old school, and at the same time have the uh support of the younger crowd that actually buys stuff and you know fucking is really active and wants all that shit so it works itself out at the end of the day you know hell yeah man that's that's uh, that's uh, that's the attitude and maybe that would be a good note 
uh, to start winding down on. Um, we've had we've had you a while, and we just want to know. Um, you, you you alluded to Gasp having a lot of uh, recorded material, kind of ready to sift through. Uh, maybe just fill us in for for listeners of your respective bands. Uh, where Rune, where Vrenth, and where Gasp are at for new material that may or may not be coming out. Yeah, for sure. Um, see, Gasp, we just, you know, like you said, we got the Stardonis 7-inch on To Live a Lie, so mm-hmm. look that up. If you like crazy psychedelic power violence shit, you'll dig it. Um, we have the uh, Ghost and Scow Out LP out on Black Horizons Records, which is uh, kind of a session that we did in 2017 when we first got back together and uh, reunited. Um, and then there's some sessions that are kind of put together for that. We had a CDR of that out when we played um, the Power Violence Fest up in the Bay Area back in 2017. So this is the LP version of that with some extra stuff on there, extra material. And then uh, the goal right now is just to keep putting out some... Uh, old stuff like uh, drum trailer came out on tape which will to live a lie just put out too so those of you that like cassette tapes you can go hunt that down from will uh, to live a lie and uh he's got the drum trailer on tape for the first time ever awesome. and the layout's really cool we had a local friend do that um the goal right now is to uh do some new music obviously but we want to record a full length um we definitely would be happy with a label, you know, to put that out. But, we, you know, at the end of the day, we do have some friends that are down to put that out. But if there's any labels out there that are interested, contact me. You know, we would definitely talk. You know, we're not uh, the biggest selling band out there. We can't do a bunch of touring and shit like that. But uh, there has been chat of us uh, coming out to New York for a festival. I know that uh, our friend Ralph over at Haunted Hotel. Oh, yeah, another Shout former guest of the show. Shout yeah, out to Ralph, yeah. That's, yeah. that's my boy Ralph. He, he's uh, he's talked to us about uh, getting us out to a fest over there in New York, so maybe we'll we'll do that on the East Coast at some point, maybe do some select dates out there because we really weren't able to do any dates around Maryland Death Fest. You know, understandably, the MDF folks were kind of like, nah, it's, you know, it's not like you guys are a main headliner, but you're a big deal. It's your first show in a while, so we we're gonna make it exclusive. So we were we got a bunch of offers to do some shows around Rhode Island and Philly and you know Boston and shit like that. We we're just like, nah, we just got to do Maryland. Unfortunately, do the fest and do a thing, you know, do that. So that's what we did. But we want to make it back out to the East Coast again. And uh, Ralph's also putting out the Sore for Days demo on vinyl. Awesome. And. Uh, He's also doing Drum Trailer, a re-release on vinyl too. So the first time, wow, since first time on vinyl for Sore for Days, and uh, which is the '96 demo, and then first time re-released on vinyl for Drum Trailer, which was '98, Slap a Ham, and uh, Ralph's going to be doing that. So I think Sore for Days is at press, from what I understand, and then Drum Trailer will probably come out next year, early next year, hopefully. Um, yes, yeah, awesome. a lot of people will be looking for that. That's. Uh, Slim pickets. Yeah. The the listeners yeah, sure. uh, the listeners can go back and check out. We did a whole interview with Ralph from Haunted Hotel Records. Ralph uh, rules, man. Yeah, That's great, my boy. Great guy. He told us the whole story of Agathocles' first U.S. tour yep. and 
all yeah. sorts of uh, uh, extra stuff. So just just quickly for the listeners, if they want to check that out, uh, that's who you're talking about. That's really cool news. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, Ralph's one of the great humans out there, man. Very supportive, real down-to-earth guy, and uh, real crucial, old school. Um, so, yeah, it was a no-brainer to work with him, and he just kind of – we had a couple other labels that we were trying to put uh, the Sore for Days vinyl out on. Uh, our friend Ted at the you know Dark Recollections uh, put out the CD version of Sore for Days. So Dark Descent and Dark Recollections have the CD if you guys need that. But uh, they weren't able to do the vinyl, so that's understandable. Vinyl's fucking expensive, especially after the pandemic hit. It was kind of like, oh, shit, everything ground, you know, fucking uh, grind to a fucking halt. So uh, yeah, yeah. Ralph came along and saved the day as far as that goes. So everybody can kind of keep in touch with the Gasp Bandcamp as far as Gasp goes, as far as information on that, as far as our new music. And then we'll have links up for Chill of a Lion, Haunted Hotel, and all that kind of stuff where you can get all that. We definitely want you guys to out there that are interested in gas to support the labels and uh, that are helping us. So, as far as Ruin goes, um, album number three is very close to being done. Spread Plague Death is uh, should be coming out definitely by the end of the year. Um, it'll probably be coming out by the end of summer at this point, hopefully. Uh, de- you know, again, it depends on uh, vinyl production. You know, tapes take a little bit, but not really that long. And then CDs are really quick. But we want to try to put everything out at the same time. So uh, Christian, our guitar player, is actually... We're, we're doing this in-house, uh, engineering it, and uh, he's doing the production. And then we're going to send off the master over to Dan at Mammoth Mastering. He did the Brent, so if that gives you an idea, he made a pretty massive sound on that Brent. So we were really stoked on it, really happy. So we're going to do the Ruin with him. And uh, as usual, Ruin always, you know, has a lot going on. So we have the album. We want to try to plan everything out. You know, we want to make the album number one priority as far as PR and all that kind of stuff. So uh, my buddy Brandon at Nameless Grave Records is doing the vinyl. And uh, Death Metal Cult, which is my label. And then Robert, our former singer, when he does Neural One, who's done a bunch of Ruin stuff. And he's done all the Ruin albums with me on tape, too. So he's doing the cassettes with me. And then uh, my buddy Aaron in Texas, Goat Throne Records, he's doing the CDs. And uh, that should be all hopefully coordinated together. Like I said, we're really close to getting that done. We have a uh, split coming out on Fat Ass Records out of Eastern Europe. I know it's a funny name, but uh, that's their name. Uh, with Anatomia from Japan, okay, uh, the mighty so- Takashi. Yeah, and uh, that's that's my brother, and uh, yeah, Takashi-san uh, agreed to do this split. Fucking awesome! So Ruin uh, Anatomy be coming out, and then uh, we have this long delay. The 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 pandemic and my own busyness really put this on hold. We have a three-way split that I'm going to be putting out with Aaron from Goat Throne, um, with Ruin, Blood Fiend from Argentina, which is fucking uh, one of the best bands, underrated bands in death metal. Um, and then uh, my buddy Alejandro, he's in Pounder with Matt Harvey. Uh, he has a band called Morgrat. So Ruin, uh, Blood Fiend, and Pounder. Uh, it's going to be a, a cassette I'm working on. I think maybe Aaron will do the CD. Maybe I'll do the CD with him. Um, Aaron and I have worked together like we did the uh, Absconder Ruin split and the Rotting Grave Ruin split. So um, we work well together. So maybe we'll do that 
three-way thing on cassette and CD again. And uh, that should hopefully be coming out. We're also doing a special release where it's kind of like, quote-unquote, live in the studio type thing. Live performance ruin. Real exclusive, all-new material. Live at a, quote-unquote, ritual that we're going to do that uh, Frozen Screams is going to put out, which did the Murderous Delirium Flexi. Okay. Uh, the awesome fanzine out of New York, and uh, they're going to uh, put out the cassette tape and a special package, and then Blood Harvest is going to put out the vinyl over in Europe, and uh, that'll be coming out well, you know, pretty much sometime this year, early next year. We'll we'll figure that out or whatever. But again, just keep in touch with the Bandcamp as far as this stuff goes. We currently have the. Uh, Ruined Thy Feeble Savior split out uh, on Head Split. And uh, so you can get the cassette tape now from Dylan and Head Split. Those are, you know, that's our family right there. And then my boy Thomas, who you might know as the patch master over there in Buffalo, um, he does all those crazy patches. He did our ski masks and our beanies and shit like that, our bandanas. The Some of the murder gear that we put out on our Instagram page, you guys might have seen that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Thomas is my buddy. He does all our fucking embroidery shit. And uh, he also has a record label called Demon Seed Records. And he's putting out the vinyl. And he's going to have a patch and a poster to go along with the vinyl. Uh, the vinyl really got fucked up at press. I don't even want to get into it. But whatever. It's coming out. We figured it out. It's fucking long delayed. But it's coming out. And uh, we'll again, we'll be posting links on Bandcamp and shit like that. So... Um, keep in touch with that. Ruin only always has a bunch of other projects too. So there, there's always going to be a bunch of shit going on. Um, as far as Vrenth goes, obviously baptism death is out still available at rotted life. Go get it. We have our band camp up too. So we have shit for sale up there. Shirts, fucking final, the whole shebang again. Ruin also has a bunch of merchandise up on the band camp. We're about to, reload a bunch of shirts and we're going to get more ski masks in soon um Vrenth, uh also has a split coming out with uh the killer band here from southern california called depraver um which cavernous records is going to do the cd and then nero one records robert again is going to do the tape and uh we're looking for somebody to do vinyl so anybody out there that wants to do vinyl of that it's probably about 12 to 15 minutes of music each probably need to be a 12 inch or whatever but whatever if you want to do it hit us up uh i know fucking vinyl is a fucking pain in the ass right now but it's tough now. we're yeah, definitely yeah. yeah it's tough you know so we understand it's easier right. to do tapes right. and cds right now but yeah so and then uh christian and charlie are currently working on uh album number two for friends believe it or not so awesome. i think charlie booked some time for next month early next uh which is right around the corner now we're at the end of march already so uh Vrenth is gonna be busy so yeah i'm a fucking busy guy gentlemen yeah uh, no, it definitely on. sounds keeps it, me man. out of fucking trouble you know Dude, yeah <laughs> hell yeah you got yeah keeps you busy a lot going on there so that's good to know then for fans of rune gasp or Vrenth, all three of your bands and we hope the listeners are going to uh check out those entities any of which they haven't um heard yet after this episode so there's a lot going on a lot to look for and even if you go into the back catalogs of Gasp and Rune, at least, there's a lot to look for, too, still. Um, Vrenth, not so much, but you guys are working on it. Uh, and also, yep. we don't want to uh, mention, too, that Grave Hill 
uh, releases are available on Bandcamp, and you, of course, provided vocals on the first uh, three of the four albums Gravehill uh, did. So, um, Mike, yep. uh, Mike Nelson, we really appreciate your time and your candor and keeping it as real as you have with us yes, uh, yeah. this evening. It's been a great conversation, and we always leave off by asking our guests to recommend one old album and one new album of any genre, any artist you please, just to recommend something cool for us and the listeners. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I had to go grab the records because I thought we were doing visuals, but that's all good. Yeah. So uh, the first record is an old school one, and it is, which you guys might recognize this band, Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry. Wow, Hell Long yeah. Island. Hell yeah. Long you made Island, a connection baby. all, all yeah. the way, all the yeah, way across the country. Because I know you guys Finally. were New Yorkers, and... We fucking love Twisted Sister out here. Matter of fact, yeah. back in the probably somewhere in the late '90s, early 2000s, they were playing Vegas, and uh, I was supposed to go. A, a, a big caravan from LA was supposed to go, and uh, a bunch of my buddies, and mm. we were gonna take one of those party buses out there to Vegas and Dude. fucking have a great old time. And I ended up getting stuck working, and I missed the fucking the set, uh. and. Uh, my buddies made a sign said Mike you know Mikey night here and they fucking took all these pictures man it was fucking hilarious <laughs> and it was kind of it was kind of infamous you know uh, one of my buddies didn't make it to Milwaukee Metal Fest my buddy Larry rest in peace Larry he fucking uh, they put Larry's not here because you know he missed Venom he was a big Venom fan so they put the fucking sign up and had pe people take pictures so I was victim to that for Twisted Sister because I missed fucking Twisted Sister in Vegas, and I still regret it because <laughs> they had a great time. Well, Long Island but, uh, loves yeah, Vegas. Yeah, no, Stay so. is fucking brutal, man. Uh, yeah, they're obviously back. a legendary band, not only to you guys, but even to us all, you know, worldwide, they're fucking yeah. legends. And uh, I mean, I watched that documentary a few years ago, and I had no idea they'd been yeah. around for so fucking long. They slugged know? it out. They yeah, worked yeah, hard, man. absolutely. And I mean, yeah. you know, Mark, oh, man. That's great insight into, like, that uh, that Long Island music scene. Uh, back in the 80s, too. Oh, totally. Yeah, They made money yeah. just playing shows in Suffolk County. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. going between Suffolk and the city. And, it's, uh, and you know, I can only imagine these guys, you know, dressing the way they did, fucking getting in fights and shit with oh. the fucking the locals and, you know, just the oh, whole man. thing. Yeah. You know, but this album particularly, I mean, I know this is the one that broke them because it's got We're Not Gonna Take It on it, I Wanna Rock. But the rest of the album, it's got Burning Hell, you know, The Price, obviously. Don't let me down. I mean, you know, it's just so fucking heavy. Captain Howdy, you know, it's just when I was a kid, you know, this is one of the first albums that I bought and uh, it blew me away. You know, I mean, even uh, the videos in MTV, you know, just when they were blowing up, it was just something else. Yeah, for sure, man. Total sensation stuff. I'll yeah. never forget yeah. the um, in uh, what was it? Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yep. And they were playing You're Gonna Burn in Hell. I mean, that's like their, yeah. one, of their, one of their darkest, heaviest songs. Oh, yeah. They were so, I mean, you know, some of their earlier stuff's even heavier, darker or whatever. But yeah, burn, you know, definitely Burn in Hell is just total death metal, black metal. Like, you know, for that time period, you know, first hearing that, I'm just like, what the fuck? And then 
I love Pee Wee's fucking, you know, the Pee Wee movies. And it was just like, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. This fucking rules, man. There, <laughs> you know? There's actually. Sisters in there, man. That's fucking badass. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're just a fucking great rock and roll band, you know? Heavy metal band. D. Snyder put out, uh, he's he's put out a number of um, uh, solo Sorry. albums. His, his most recent one for the Love yeah. of Metal in 2018. Um, we had uh, his current guitarist, Nick Petrino, who's in a death metal band called My Missing Half. Yep. On huh. uh, about a year, yeah, a little, little bit less yeah, than about a year, a year ago. ago. It was like just at the start of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Nice, nice dude, killer player. Nice. Still trying to get D on. D, yeah. D, holler at us if you're my, out there. Uh, my fiance, oh, badass, well, my man. fiance got her braces uh, back in the day when she was about like 12, 13 years old, uh, in a um, uh, laughing gas kind of stupor from all the work they were doing on her teeth. She's stu- uh, stumbling out of the. Uh, the chair in the dentist office and walks and looks and D Snyder is standing in front of her, uh, towering, <laughs> towering over her yeah. because his son was getting uh, braces on at the same place at the same time and uh, uh, scarred or made an in- incredible memory on her to this day. So she, you know, she'll ramble about it. Everyone's got, yeah, like there's, beautiful. <laughs> there's a Long Island D Snyder story for everybody. There really is. My oh. mother saw him <laughs> at BJ's, which is like the, the low grade, the low budget cost co out here many years ago. <laughs> And then a few years ago, I took my uncle to see Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons oh, nice. at, the, at the Westbury Theater. And it's like a theater in the round, you know? So, oh, like, yeah. directly across from me on the other side of the circular, you know, like uh, 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 audience section is D. Snyder and his wife. So I'm trying to watch Frankie Valley, but I can't stop, can't keep my eyes off of D. Snyder and his oh, wife yeah. right across from me the yeah, whole time. It's just if, you know, well, if yeah, you're ever on the island. If you're ever on the island and you're standing on the dock eating a bacon, egg, and cheese, you might see D. Snyder across, yeah, the, across the harbor. He's walking his dog or just something. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Keep an eye out. But, yeah, I'd be, uh, it'd be rough for me, you know, fucking at a Frankie <laughs> Valley concert. D. Snyder and his wife's there fucking trying not to buy him shots and shit. You know, <laughs> hey, motherfucker, let's fucking hang out. I want to hear some fucking stories. He's like, get the fuck away from me. I'm just here with my wife, asshole. Yeah, I'm not going to take Frankie it. Valley. He would say yeah, that. He yeah. would say, I'm not going to take it. He would say something. Yeah. Like that. We all, we, 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 Royal so. we. we are not going to take yeah. it. Yeah. So, there you go. All right. But, uh, so, yeah, the, so that's the my, that's my old school pick, man. Fucking uh, Stay Hungry, Twisted Sister. Awesome. I don't give a fuck when anybody says that album fucking rules. Yeah. Agreed. Got There's the MTV a- hits on there. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Get out of here, fucking assholes. You know you love it. It's undeniable. It's fuck off, posers. Album. Yeah. But uh, my. Uh, my new pick is uh, Dippy Just Bushmeat. Oh wow! A, uh, death metal band here yeah. from California. They're actually in Central California, um, San Luis Obispo area, which is like the Central Coast, which is not a hotbed of heavy metal, but is known for uh, you know Matt Harvey from Exhumed and, and Mike Hamilton from Unique Leader and Exhumed uh, reside there. Those are my boys. So. They live there, and there's actually a small metal scene there, you know. So um, Matt's lived there for a number of years. He's originally a Bay Area guy, but he's lived down in Slow. We call it down here Slow. Everything is, you know, just letters and shit. Um, so San Luis Obispo comes Slow. Um, yeah, Matt's lived down there in Slow. I think his uh, him and his dad have lived down there for a number of years. So um, Dippy just comes from that area. And basically, I was talking to a buddy online earlier today, as a matter of fact. They basically sound like autopsy on mushrooms. Ha. So, 
Yeah, how do you spell this name? Like I've never heard of them. Psychedelic. Oh, what's the spelling on this name? The spelling is, you know, their logo is all fucked up. And then, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, here it goes. You don't say. Okay, so it's uh, D-I-P-Y-G-U-S. Yeah, Bush. I, mean, I, I saw the cassette version advertised, and I and I was yeah, no, I was gonna get it. Now cool. I gotta get it that you that you recommended. Yeah, it. no, they're uh, the Death Ooze album that prior to this was fucking incredible. It was uh, my favorite album of a couple years ago, actually. Um, it was by by far, far and away, the best album of uh, like 2019 for me. Um, it just blew everything else out of the water at that point. And that was like full on autopsy. And this one, uh, like I was telling my buddy online earlier, it's like taking a little bit. Like when I first heard it, I was like, eh, it's not as good. But now it's growing on me. It's one of those things. Like it's fucking growing on me. And uh, yeah, no, they sound like that middle era autopsy, actually unspeakable, you know, shit fun, um, totally fucked up, schizophrenic death metal, but catchy. And then very shroomy and fucking psychedelic in parts where it's like weird they got all these weird fucking samples so yeah they're definitely original for sure and the topics that they're talking about the layout is really fucking like grimy punk rock fucking DIY like fucked up fanzine type yeah they're just they're just badass. Yeah, that's I'm all look, that matters. I'm looking at the album cover for this. Solid. Yep. Like, what a what a weird, weird take on just artwork in general. Like, it's uh, it's it's messy. It's nondescript, yeah. but once you start looking at it, it's like ugly there's so much to take up. in. Yeah, wow. it's ugly and fucked up, just like their music, you know. But it's like it's also there's some simplicity, but there's some catchiness to it, just like their music. So you fucking jump into it, and it's just kind of like, oh fuck, man. This is uh, definitely some interesting stuff. And, I mean, you know, there's some bands that are definitely inspired by Autopsy and whatnot. but And it's not like uh, Dippy just rip them off by any means. You know, they kind of do their own take on it. But it's just cool hearing a band that is original, you know, and fucking kind of forges their own path in the death metal scene. Because, no offense to these other bands, some of them are fucking awesome, you know. But, you know, you could definitely... Even ruin, you can fucking hear our influences, you know, right off the bat. You know, it's not like we're fucking reinventing the wheel here, and it's not like Dippy just is reinventing the wheel either. But they just do such an original take on everything. It sounds fresh to me. It sounds fresh to my ears, and you know, they just blow me away as a band. Their demos are fucking incredible too. So yeah, if you guys check out their Bandcamp, they they do a lot you know they they're definitely work with labels and whatnot but they do a lot of diy stuff yeah. too so i can't yeah, remember. definitely fucking support them at, at the moment i can't remember but people should support both of these labels transylvania tapes and caligari records i definitely saw this bushmeat release on uh cassette format on one of those tape labels i gotta go back and double check but yeah um, the the it's it's cool too because I believe the LP, the tape, and the CD are all different layouts and different packaging and shit like that. And my boy, uh, uh, James, what's up, James? Transylvania tapes, Transylvania recordings now because he's doing all kinds of other stuff. But okay. yeah, James, he's also sings for Evolse and a bunch of other bands. They're a heavy death band too out of uh, the Bay Area, and uh, love those guys, man. Evolse is another fucking crazy band. But uh, yeah, James, uh, Transylvanian recordings is one of the best labels around right now if you go on their band camp that motherfucker puts out 
so much fucking shit too. Yeah. different genres yeah. like he is fucking all over the place he'd be a good guy to talk to on the show at one point he's got so much going on and it's just a matter of time i i believe that something that he's got going on is just gonna blow the fuck up you know it's just because you know the quality of the stuff you know he's definitely one of the bastions of uh california metal underground fucking just noise in general fucking uh puts out so much fucking cool stuff so definitely fucking support that caligari is a fucking other great label too Um, absolutely they do a lot of fucking killer stuff man i mean that's that's where it's at right there these homegrown organic motherfuckers that are just putting out shit that they love and uh well, doing Meg, it the right way, you know. Maggot stopped at it and kind of blew up, and you know now yeah. now there's a lot of other uh, labels out there that are doing yeah, their I mean, own thing know, too. They, they recognize the talent, and you know you kind of get lucky sometimes, you know, because you know you, it's hard to tell when shit's gonna blow up, you know. And I mean, you know, it's who yeah. knows, man? Who knows what people are gonna follow and what they're gonna enjoy or whatever? But you know, I think Dippy just has been flying under the radar a little bit for a while, and. uh they're finally starting to get some recognition and it's just a matter of time. You know, a band like that can get on a big tour. Next thing you know, you know, they're blowing the fuck up, man. And uh, it's well-deserved, you know, cause the bands that can tour usually are the ones that putting in the work, you know, they fucking deserve it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, ho- hopefully things get a little normalized and these guys can get back to work uh, to do just that. Yeah, it seems to be going that way, yeah. you know. I think, you know, especially in California, I don't know about you guys, but it's almost like we got herd immunity here. <laughs> we had so <laughs> many fucking infections. It was like one in three people in L.A. County had been sick uh, since the beginning, you know, for the last year. So that's just, if you think about that, that is just fucking insane. Yeah. So... I think, uh, I mean, I know you guys got hit super hard at the beginning. For the first two months, it was like New York was just pulverized with it for a while. So, you know, hopefully with the vaccines and the fucking herd immunity and the masks and, you know, being everybody being smart about it, we uh, can get this fucker under control and uh, get back to where we're at, you know, where, where we want to be. Let's do shows. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Hopefully. Dippy just uh, from California with Bushmeat. That's the new yep. recommendation. I definitely got to uh, uh, check that out. I was I was looking at that, and now you um, you pushed me over the brink. I got to go get it. Uh, and um, we appreciate you, Mike, uh, for everything that you talked about tonight, man. It was a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, and ag- again, our listeners, if you're not familiar with uh, Rune, Gasp, or Vrenth, any of those acts, uh, we encourage you to check them out on Bandcamp. Or um, wherever else you can find them online. It's 2021. I'm not going to walk people through Google. Can't hold hands. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> that's where we say. Uh, but Mike, thank you very much for your time, brother. We appreciate it. Thank you. I just wanted to say real quick. You know, I appreciate this. This is one of the best interviews that I've ever done personally, man. You guys uh, are doing some great work. Had some great questions, and I just wanted to uh, dedicate everything that I'm doing right now to Wes Weaver. Uh, from Blasphirion and a uh, former member of Imprecation. Oh, he just, yeah, uh, we lost him uh, yeah. late last week. Yeah. Uh, Texas metal legend. Uh, basically my my gateway to everybody in Texas. Um, he, you know, he's on the thank list of Altars of Madness and the Thy Kingdom Come demo for Morbid Angel. He brought Morbid Angel to Houston for the first time when they were still fucking underground. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that... Uh, 
he's just such a fucking integral part of not only Texas metal, but worldwide metal. You know, just one of those old school guys. He had a old school radio show called Sweet Nightmares that he did with his buddy. And they played all the fucking heavy duty shit back in the day. So all the youngsters coming up pretty much listen to that. And uh, I appreciate Wes and love the fuck out of him. And, you know, he's going to be missed. And I just wanted to dedicate um, this chat to him and how much uh, I love and appreciate the guy. And my thoughts go out to his young daughters and his family and close friends and his band members and everything. And, you know, my thoughts are with everybody. A hundred percent, man. Yeah, we... uh... We've lost uh, uh, so many of our brothers and sisters in metal, um, uh, particularly, it seems, recently, man, and we can't even keep up with it on the program now, man, or on social media right. sometimes, man. So, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. We just recently lost him. This, this episode will be out about a week or two after we're having this conversation, but it is very timely, man. Rest in peace to him. And as we always say in these type of situations, just another person that we wish we could have had a conversation with uh, but uh, unfortunately, we'll just have to celebrate that legacy, man. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so- no, you guys uh doing great, man. Keep it going. I really appreciate the chat. Like I said, this is one of the better interviews I've ever done. And uh, it was a good time. And thanks to everybody. Thanks to you guys. And uh, keep it going. Just fucking stay safe out there. Keep it smart and uh, keep it brutal. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Mike Nelson, thank you very much, brother. We appreciate it. very much to mike nelson uh, our special guest tonight telling us about all of his bands and his history we appreciate his time and his candor hell yeah uh, very interesting yeah and now if uh, uh if you got some candor maybe you got some some crazy stories you want to talk about um i don't know if they were as crazy as mike's but uh maybe you got a complaint maybe you, maybe you don't like me maybe you don't like my story maybe you don't like big will always always talking shit mm-hmm. uh there's a there's a phone number you can call that's right we, we took care of that there's a situation you don't have to bring it to me i I'm not, i won't even listen to the call that's right you yeah, just you vent you get it off your chest yeah you don't have to uh, cramp up your hands typing up an angry email you know uh fingers flying nothing like that yeah I'll, I'll, these hands will be flying if you want to bring a complaint to me tough yeah. guy slow down <laughs> call up call up the voicemail instead keep what? it on keep it on wax tom what's the number 631-837-3274. I can never remember it. I have to look at it every time. That's okay. I'm real smooth sometimes. Yeah, that, catch my drift. That's right. Smooth yeah, yeah. And, uh, and if uh, if, you're, if your listeners out there are smart, it's already in your phone. Yeah. yeah. You don't remember Speed it Speed dial for that's every right. time you get upset in life. That's right. Leave you, us a voicemail. Heavyholepodcast.com is where you can go for that number. Mm-hmm. Links to the little social medias. You want to see Big Will and his cat on IG Live. It's all good. Uh, you want to do the Facebook because you're over 40. It's okay. Yeah. I'm almost there, too. That's right. Yeah, there's an app uh, all, that's going to be permanently in development where we will uh, map out all of the uh, pay phones that you can dump nickels in to call this number. That's right. Yeah. Pay phones took quarters, Justin. You're showing your age, young That's guy. right. 
You never saw a That's payphone right. in his life. Yep. Well, they're hurting now, the payphone industry. You've got to yeah. find those Bell Atlantic joints that took the nickels. Those yeah. are from phone really sex. <clears throat> phone sex payphone is my porno. That's right. You want to call collect. You want 800 collect. You want to be, you want to Bell Atlantic it. Don't wanna, call collect. We're yeah, not. I got an idea. You want to, you want to support the Heavy Hole podcast on Patreon. You can throw your nickels that way. Uh, you just got to go to our heavyholepodcast.com. All the links are there. We it's took so care good. of it all for you easy. I'm doing little tricks and wheelies on the... You never saw someone do a wheelie on a Segway. I did it. Paul Blart's in the house. Uh, but uh, that was our special interview with Mike Nelson of Gasp, Vrenth, and Rune. Uh, as I said, we appreciate his story. He was very thorough, and we had a particularly long episode tonight. We're not doing recommendations. You might have noticed we're not doing a lot of recommendations lately. That's because we're done. I'm not telling anybody what to listen to anymore. It's private what I listen to. That's right. I'm not talking about what I listen to anymore. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on. Okay. True story. The last couple of interviews went a little long. We got a little bit more juice out of our guests than we expected to. Uh, we didn't We didn't forget about the recommendations. Uh, we've been shooting them back and forth to each other behind That's the right. scenes, and we're going to do a special bonus episode uh, coming uh, to an internet feed near you. Yeah, that'll be on the main feed because that's yeah, we, you, we owe the, every listener this, not just yet. the Patreon. The Patreons, we owe uh, many things. More. But, yeah, but, but the this... cheapy, even you cheapskates on the free weekly episode that don't care about the mm-hmm. bonus content will get this. So you can, so don't don't cry about it. That's we're, right. We're uh, trendsetters, and we acknowledge that. Yes, yes. We know that uh, you, uh, the listener, need us to let you know what is good and what is decent out there. But, you know, maybe you also have an idea about what's good. So uh, leave us a voicemail. At Back to the voicemail. 631-837-3274. It works, but it works always. Wow. Yeah. You should say it from now on. I keep forgetting. I don't even have my phone in front of me. 3274. All right. Uh, well, you know what my yeah. recommendation is uh, uh, tonight, guys? All right. Uh, a classic song by U2. Can you guess it? Oh, God. Is it one? Ah! You did it. And then you do the little wah, wah, wah.